メロコーンヘビーヘイビー I'm not gonna lie, I'm enjoying having it yelled for me. See? It just... I, I don't hate listening to that. I just... I, I couldn't have the... I'm like Sean Payton. I just... I, I didn't have the juice in me uh, every week. Three times a week, four times a week, five times a week. Now just every little YouTube video we get uh, can be at the beginning of it. Easy, just press a button and off and run. And you can still yell, yell it at us in the crosswalk. What's up, everybody? On YouTube, you are watching this live. Maybe you're watching it after the fact on the podcast. It's good to have you as well. By the way, I want to mention this. Since our last podcast, which was Saturday night, we've done several videos that have gone out on YouTube only. We talk at length about D'Amico Ryan's interviewing with the Raiders. Could the Niners lose him? Niners ticket sales at SoFi Stadium, among other videos that we made. You can go to our YouTube channel, which is, if you're listening to the podcast, in the description of the podcast for some of the YouTube-exclusive videos uh, there as well. Yeah, sure go check it out. Hey, Middlecoff page. Go subscribe. Tell your friends. Easy to do. YouTube, pretty big deal. Uh, puts their shit now. We uh, we are brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one, MyBookie.ag, HAM1, where you can go bet on the NFL playoffs. You can go bet on... Uh, the NBA season, you can go bet on golf right now. The Farmers Open, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, Super Bowl, all that kind of stuff. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM, and the number one. Might have thrown $100 on Bryson DeChambeau this week at Torrey Pines. 20 to 1 guy. 20 to 1. Remember last year, before he shot, I think, 45 on the back nine? He was leading the U.S. Open on Sunday, headed in the back nine. Uh, all-time implosion by Bryson, but West Coast guy. Played that course, I'm sure, a million times in his youth. And again, last year, U.S. Open was leading the tournament, heading into the back nine before he shot 45. Uh, MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. We happen to have a couple large wagers, guy. Uh, we, we started just, you know, just blue-collar guys betting $300 a game, put 150 each. We upped that after we got hot to $500 a game. Uh, we had some high highs. Then we had some low lows and headed into the, to the playoffs with our bets for the first weekend of the playoffs, we had $18 in the account. So if we had, if the bets had not gone our way, we would have had to uh, either recoup or just wave the white flag. We recouped. Recoup and then retire. we went to four G's. So we said, you know, it takes money to make money. You got to have some stones. We have $1,000 on the, on the 49ers money line at plus 150. And as several people have DM me, smart move. That number's probably only going to come down as the week goes on. Maybe by the end of the week, it goes to plus 135. We also... Same thing happened last week. Same thing happened last week. We also put $1,000 on the Kansas City Chiefs, team that has won the AFC three times or two times in a row, hosting their fourth straight AFC championship game at home. Andy, no big deal. Uh, minus seven. And that line hasn't moved, has it? Line hasn't moved. Which surprises me a little bit. I expect to, to me that seven is kind of bigger. a sweet spot though, because the moment you get six and a half, I think then heavy money comes on the Chiefs. The moment you get seven and a half, people bet the other side. It's yep. you know it's kind of like the Niners, right? It, I think two and a half, everyone would slam uh, probably the Rams, but you get three and a half, it feels like money goes on the Niners, and then it kind of just kind of hangs in that spot. Yeah. I, 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 listen, I, I'm a full believer in the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I do just, their corners sometimes, the Chiefs' corners can just disappear. 
it, but they score 75 points every other game, so it's like they win. Just, I just, you know, I'll just keep an eye on Jamar Chase. <laughs> Nine sacks, they can get to the quarterback. They are not going to miss the opportunities that Ryan Tannehill and the Titans did. I, That's true. With all due respect to Joe Burrow, who is an ultimate, who is an incredible competitor, John, I, I mean, they don't belong in this game. No. I'm sorry. They don't belong in this game. They, they do not. Honey Badger. Now, head, I think, is clear because he was tweeting up a storm when I was I was laying in bed this morning at like 645, and I just, you know, addicted to just go to Twitter. Honey Badger's just peppering tweets like, I'm good. Like, God is good. And just like, this fucking guy, he's clearing. <laughs> He'll be back. Not a lot of doubt. Uh, Bosa style. Podcast is also brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings, where you sign up with the code HAM. DraftKings, DraftKings, right now in uh, the Haberman and Middlecoff DraftKings League, we've got a farmers open game going that link is in the description of this youtube that link is in the description of this podcast go get in that game alert 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 golf starts wednesday this week so you got to get in it right now uh sign up with the code ham meanwhile in the football final four teams battle john to super bowl 56 you can battle for huge cash prizes with DraftKings. yep use the promo code ham playing daily fantasy simple just pick your lineup um, and free shot at a million dollars in total prizes. You'll feel the action in the conference championship like never before. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, guy, you can deposit and withdraw cash whenever you want. It is very, very easy. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code HAM to play for a free uh, play free for a million dollars. That's right. Enter promo code HAM. Get a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes with your first deposit. Get in the action of the conference championships only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the National Football League minimum, $5 required. Eligibility restrictions to pl- apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So many great games out there. And as I said, you can get in the Haberman and Middlecoff League on DraftKings. When you get in the league, then you're always going to be the first to know when one of our games uh, goes live. And, um, you know, in this case right now, that means you've got access to our um, Farmers Open game, which we need to fill. If it doesn't fill, then we won't play. But it was a late Tuesday night. Someone's like, what about the golf? And I'm like, yeah. And then I made it. I'm like, shit, golf starts Wednesday. Let's go. So anyway, hopefully we can fill that and we'll get we'll get football going um, as well. DraftKings, man. It's a good time. Let's do it. It is a good time. Are we? Uh, here's a question from Michael on the stream. He says, I need some advice. Do I use $600 to try and get a ticket to the NFC Championship game? Or do I just throw it all on the Niners plus 155? You know what the natural question there is, John, which is the $600 get you into the NFC Championship game? I think that's the cheapest ticket available right now, uh, which is the most expensive ticket in NFC Championship history. I, I personally, I, I'm not a nosebleed guy. I, I'm not against it. You know, I've just, I just sit in the stands as well. Uh, haven't been in a media room in a long time. Retired from that. But the sitting, my, my takeaway from that, now granted, I was a little lower this time, but paid a premium for it. You can't that fucking stadium. You are so far away at top. I don't think it was worth. I don't think it would be worth it. That'd be my take. Uh, I would stay at home and gamble on the game and watch it. Now, if you could get to me just to the third level, which I still think is much higher than six hundred dollars in this place, you'd have a decent seat. But to me, going to this game that high, I, I, I honestly I, I didn't walk up there. I don't know how they missed the circular the screen when you're that high 
Because at least Jerry, I know, and you know, there's like historically you get. You're seeing really how when you set that high, you're not seeing it. Is that what you yeah, mean? Well, I'm just saying how it's that screen doesn't get in your way. Like Jerry's thing is in the middle. A lot of the video boards are in the middle or on the sides. That thing circulates around the top end. So if and it, and it's low, it's not like at the peak of the arena. I it's easy to see from I was well below it. I don't understand how you miss this. I wonder if there's some sight lines there where. You know, if you're in the left corner, can you see the far right corner? I, I don't know. I think in order to be below it with your eye line, you'd have to be back. And in that case, then, you know, if you if you push back, then you catch some of the seats in front of you if you're back far enough. Because I saw even when we went yesterday to the ticket website and it shows you the view from the seat, you kind of catch like, you know, the front railing of your section if you're back far enough. That's what When I'm you're saying. looking at the field, you might lose a little bit of a corner. San Antonio Holmes, you may not see him on the game-winning touchdown. Like this has become a a a real story this week, which isn't shocking because it's an interesting story, and because the prices are so high. Like I think you know if Niner fans were buying up all the Packer tickets, that would be interesting, but it would be more of a local story. Like why we got to protect our home turf? But part of this is the prices catch everybody's attention and make it such a story that uh, you can't blame anybody for selling their tickets to this game. And I just think we talked about it on the stream on Monday. There is just a – the Rams are behind. They just moved to L.A. They are behind when it comes to market share in their town. It's it's not a surprise. I also just think it's, it's simple economics. I think the two biggest brands on the West Coast are the Los Angeles Lakers and the San Francisco 49ers, and they both have a couple parallels. They dominated for a historically long time, and they were fun when they were dominating. Like part of – the Patriots these last 20 years, they have been the villain for like 15 years. When the Lakers, the amount of people I knew that were Laker fans in Northern California growing up was fucking high. (laughs) And a large reason was because there weren't any other good teams in California, right? And But they were fun. It was easy to be a fan of, I don't know, Magic Johnson or Shaquille O'Neal. It was very easy to consume Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Jerry Rice. And then you factor in both fan bases, and I know they're different sports, but let's just speak on the Niners on this one, their household income of their consumer, not at the top 1%, but I would say the top like 20% is probably the highest in the NFL. So like to me, when you look at the prices of the game, what I would recommend to someone, if you have the money to get a decent seat, do it. It could be something you will never forget. But I would have a hard time paying a premium premium to go sit at the highest level just to experience. But that's me. I, I Some people like being there. You, you are paying an astronomical amount of money to see it, sit at the top. Now, one mistake I made, and I was told this by our friend Al Guido, who told me when they, when was it? I asked him probably a week before week 17. I said, do you have any advice to buy tickets for this week 18 because we didn't know who was going to win and if there was going to be juice on the game. The Niners, maybe it was before the Titans game. You know, the Niners could basically lock up their spot because the Texans were next. Who knew what was going to happen with the NF, you know, the NFC West? I was like, do you think that I should buy a ticket right now or wait? And he said, always be patient, lead up, prices drop. And I, I was like, okay. And it made a lot of sense. And I, I, I've tried to institute this in my life in general. Right, just be patient. You, you just bought a house. You, you patience. You benefited from it. Yeah, I remember you telling me like if you would have got early in some of these houses, you would have regretted it. Fuck, you just being patient on purchases is the right move. But it's also 
easy to be like, ah, I don't, is this the right move? Is this the right move? You start freaking out. And I bought it like a week before and I could have got the same seats again. I mean, save total of $500. So it's not the end of the world, but it was still was $500. I did it like on Monday of the game week where if I would have done it and I checked, I remember kind of having a beer like, oh, let's see what their tickets are now. And I was like, oh, they're way cheap. Not way cheaper, but they definitely go down Friday, Saturday. But I'm on a couple text chains with people that just like, I just bought it. I don't want to think about it anymore. But again, some of these people, money means a little less to than some. You know, it's it's a hard balance, right? Yeah. I, are, are you good? Like, don't you like you get FOMO? Not FOMO is probably the wrong word, but well, it's I, easy to claim patience, and then you're living in it. You're like, uh, you keep thinking about it, right? Buying tickets all the time. Like every time I've bought tickets that were going to cost me something, there's a constant juggle of do I get them now? Do I wait? 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 And every time I haven't been in the mode to buy and I've just watched that, watch it unfold, you generally have what you're talking about. Now, it's easy to watch tickets wait till the last day when you don't actually intend to buy them. When you intend to buy them, the worst thing that can happen is that you get to the last day and they're all gone. Right. Have you checked? But, the amount of tickets that are available in this game are, are fucking crazy. You can buy a ticket literally anywhere. They're literally all available. Yeah, and it might just be as simple as people are putting it up there at astronomical prices and seeing if people will pay. It might just be that basic, right? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's only Tuesday, so I, I think if you go back and look, and the Lakers are a great example of this. The Celtics are a great example of this. The Niners are a great example of this. I think like every ten years, if you cycle through, and in every decade you've got a championship level team, and that's not normal, then it's just going to be. You're going to be a powerhouse. The Niners didn't win a championship. They like if you look at the Rams in the '80s, they competed. They were in the playoffs a lot more than they weren't in the '70s too. When they were in LA, they were in the playoffs a lot more than they weren't. They lost a Super Bowl, but they didn't win any, and they certainly didn't win five in like whatever the number was nine years. They had the Niners, Joe Montana. Then they had Jerry, and they had Jerry Rice, and they transitioned to Steve Young. And then it rolled right into T.O. And then it rolled eventually into Harbaugh. Like every 10 years, if you were a certain age, if you were eight, your parents, your grandparents, it was it was so easy to pass down. I think it's why like sports in the Northeast are so big and in the South, places where your grandparents grew up with that team and then your parents grew up with that team and then you grew up with that team. We don't really have as much of that in the West. Like the NFL started everywhere around the same time but baseball didn't basketball there's basketball teams out here that have been playing each other since 1898 like washington and oregon or something but not with the density that you have in the northeast and college football the density they have for championship competition you see how cool did you peek at the environment last night in uh lawrence kansas for that basketball game well i texted john shambi who called the game this morning and he's like it's he said it was outrageous he sent me a picture and i'm like god the ceiling looks really low He's like, yeah, but it's 19,000 people. It's big, I, I've walked in there empty. It's fucking huge. 19,000. He's like, but the roof is kind of low, and he sent me the photo with nobody in it. It's all wood seats, and it is badass. Stuff gets passed down. Yeah. <laughs> and then the kid goes, yep, still badass, right? So if the Niners got passed down to you, you're like, yep, still badass. Who was – was anybody in L.A. getting the Rams passed down to them in 1998? I mean, they were gone. Now, they were good, 99, 2000, right? They were good. But it's just a different fabric. To well, don't no you think it's a big don't you, don't you think now. it's a bigger deal? And you've spent time there doing basketball and football games. 
the UCLA and USC thing down there is real because I went there. My kids went there. It's, I would say actually it's the most passionate, just like it means something to those people. You know, whenever you meet someone that went to UCLA, they're always so proud that their son went there. Cal has a little bit of that too. It's hard to like have multiple generations go to Stanford, <laughs> but you know, when people's son, you know, I went to UCLA, my kid went to UCLA. I think it's why b- both programs can be pretty relevant sports-wise with fan bases, right? They, they have big fan bases because they're very passionate. They have long lineages of people that have gone there. But they also won at an incredible level, right? Well, t- for sure. But I'm saying that's it's a double whammy. you got to have people that care. you got to have people that win, and then it gets passed on. It keeps winning. Think about this. Separate from the Eddie generation, which is basically 81 till he got popped in like 98, 99, but I, I even count to like 02. Once that 81 to like 02, well, then Harbaugh and Kyle have taken them to five NFC Championship games. Five NFC Championship games in the last 11 years. And if they win this game, they will go to three Super Bowls at that time. Now, they haven't won one, but fuck, it's it's pretty damn good. <laughs> you know? Five, five NFC Championship games. I, I don't think we hammer that enough for how ugly the separate years have been. Because they have. Their, their highs have just their highs are just consistently so high in my lifetime. And I grew up, like most people around here, watching the San Francisco 49ers. They just play in the most batshit crazy games ever. They've just consistently done it my whole life. Once I got into the NFL and Harbaugh showed up, I remember they played in this crazy game against us with the Eagles. Dante Whitner mentioned it. It was like, that was the game that kind of sparked us. And then it was because it was crazy. Like Justin Smith chased down Jeremy Macklin, caused this fumble. Then they went on this fucking run. And then I, I moved out here, the West Coast, that second year in 12. They go on this crazy run with Kaepernick and Alex. Then the next year, they make another NFC Championship game. Then me and you have been doing this. Kyle's year two years ago. And th- this year is way crazier in 19 because they were watching the game back two weeks, three weeks ago. It was, I mean, they were getting their ass kicked. It was, it was 17 nothing. And then Jimmy throws the lob pick. And I'm watching it thinking like, Every single human watching this game in the stadium on their couch is thinking the Niners are going to get, lose this game forty to nothing, and they fucking won. That I, well, they all and that and then they also historically to your point this year they play, they also play in these games that are two sided rivalries, right? Like they're playing the Seahawks at the Seahawks. Harbaugh's trying to beat the Seahawks at the Seahawks height. Yeah, the Niners of the '90s and early 2000s at the like they're playing Favre. A little built in, I think both these things, this is added to it. McVay and Kyle have a connection. The Harbaugh thing, the added element was what's your deal? I mean, yeah, the what added to that. The Harbaugh, I would even say McVay and Shanahan have a connection, but even before that, it's just McVay took the league by storm. And then Kyle came in off of blowing the Super Bowl to the Patriots. And I heard and someone Mike Shanahan's I, son. I heard someone say too that McVay beat him three or four times the first two years when Kyle's teams weren't good. And remember yeah. they played in that epic was the first year on Thursday night? Remember they the were going back and terrible. forth? It was like week three or week four, right? Was it Brian Hoyer? I think was gunslinging. It, it was Hoyer. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like all the like, it's not only great games. It's these are the main characters in this whole thing. Now that doesn't explain, you know. Again, the Rams just it takes time. It takes time well, to the, build the, up the, because what they're going up against is not the Cowboys fan base, but it's it is way closer than it's than it is not close. And the, the, Niner, the, the Niners fan base just has a lot of money. I think that's a huge element to it. I I, I believe to my yeah, but core. Part of the, I agree with you. But I think part of the reason, the volume of it is so many people. With a lot of money. 
a yes. lot of them. Yeah, with a lot of them have a lot of money, but part of it, there is just so many people that you're going to have people. You just get fan bases that big, right? The bigger your fan base, the more people with more money, the more the larger percentage of your fan base can buy, even if it's a, a, a $600 ticket, can buy a $600 ticket. Well, the Raiders fans always get mad at me when I say this. They always take a lot of pride. Like, we, we, got, we got all the blue-collar fans. The Niners have more blue-collar fans than you. They have more fans. So when you have more fans, there are more blue-collar people in this fucking state, even more the state of, of California. More yeah, of anything? Just more of everything. More of There's just, they have more of them. They have, I, I think the 49ers in the state of California are the ratio of their fans to the next closest team is such a fucking big difference. It ain't even close. In Northern California, it's like a 100 to 1 ratio. <laughs> you know? And I, I know A's fans get very you know, bothered by this. The Giants fans, it's the same thing. Now, the difference is with baseball is the Giants don't transcend Southern California. Uh, but the, that's where the 49ers have a large imprint, a very large imprint, which makes sense, right? Because for 30 or, you know, for those 20 years, they were the coolest brand before we were even born. You watch that Joe Montana documentary, you're like, God damn, this would have been cool to watch live. I say it, I, I think about this all the time, guy. Think how cool it would have been to be born. I mean, I'm glad I'm not because I'd be older and closer to death. Uh, now, granted, you never know when you're going to die. I could die tomorrow. But if you were born in like 1972, so you really came into being a sports fan in the 80s, how sweet the 80s was for sports with baseball, basketball, and football. Like, it's just, you could argue it was about as good as it gets. Magic and the Bird, music. Oh, everything. The music. I love, exactly. The total pack. Life, society. Cocaine got a little big. You have to avoid that. But um, Yep. STDs. Yeah, they were, they were storming around too. You know, there's highs and lows. Yeah. You know, I think I go back to like my sixth birthday. I was living in Omaha, Nebraska. And what did I get for my birthday at the time? I got the uh, uh, Joe Montana helmet, shoulder pads, jersey, pants set. And I got the Jose Canseco. Same thing. They were both really cool then. It's not that much of a math problem to figure out, right? I think if we went and found the biggest, you can find all these random studies using Facebook and whatever. But the biggest fan bases, sports fan bases in America, the Niners are without question, NFL, the Niners are without question top 10, and they're probably top five, right? I mean, Cowboys, Steelers, Eagles, New York not, teams. Not, not, Niners are bigger than the Eagles. Yeah, I just, I'm just listening to whatever. Uh, pa- I think pa- New England. Pa- pa- Packers are massive. Packers are massive. I think New England is massive. Um, Patriots fans just Boston, just a high density northeast area. It's like, you know, so for but sure. they're there. That's they're there for sure. I, 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 and the Rams, you know, there aren't, and it's not their fault that they're not. I mean, it's somebody's fault, but it's not theirs right now. I think it's going to be a Niners home game again, and I think there's a chance that it's even worse than last time because they're there. Why is, do you think that? I just, just the think, prices are higher, the spite of it all. Well, I mean, it's a bigger game. Yeah, it's just big. I mean, it's the NFC Championship game. Uh, I think anyone that has the cash that feels FOMO for missing out on Week 18 because, like, oh, what if they lose and they don't make the playoffs? Now it's like they're in uh, the access. This story has become so big that people on the fence are like, "Fuck it, I want to go." I, I I think I'm expecting a lot. You know, I, the sea of red, whatever that means. But I. I Nation, Niner Nation, John. I also think it's I also think it's basic economics. If you bought a seat at Stan's Palace, and it is, it's remarkable. 
if let's just say so cool. do the math you bet you you pay i don't know what you know if you're a season ticket holder what they charge you for the nfc championship i'll just pick an even number you know you have a good seat a thousand dollars your ticket normally is like 500 bucks or 400 bucks but for this game it doubles and you purchase it let's say you got four so you i spent four thousand dollars on my seats and let's just hypothetically say it's where i was sitting like section 221 on like the 30 yard line and i can 4x that a seat so i spent four thousand dollars i can sell those for sixteen thousand dollars i make even let's say i got some money i'm doing well i make a couple hundred grand i can just make and i'm a big fan or whatever but i can just make twelve thousand dollars like that in a well, press I of think a what you realize really quickly is if you own those tickets and you choose to keep them for yourself do you think that's a fair number? If I, if I, if let's just say I pay a thousand dollars, I might be able to sell it for four. Does that seem like a lot? The, no, I, I think it's probably accurate. And if you choose not to sell them, that means you are choosing to buy them. Like if you choose not to sell them for, let's say, a four x return, you're not taking money out of your pocket, but you kind of are, right? If you could sell them for sixteen thousand and you paid four. And you choose not to. I'm just going to use them. That's fine. But you did kind of just pay sixteen thousand for them. Then, it, well, exa- well, exactly. And this goes back to if they had, if it's the equivalent of the Niners, and a Niner fan could do the same. Well, if I've been a season ticket holder for thirty years, watching my team make the NFC Championship is worth. There's a value there that I don't even think about, right? Or Alabama football, or Green Bay Packer football, whatever that number is relative to you. But when you're a Rams fan. How much can it truly mean to you, more than likely? Probably not near as much as it would, whatever the equivalent, Alabama can probably do that, their home game against Auburn next year, if it's to get to the SEC championship game. That guy can probably sell it for 3X, but that that experience, like, no, I'm going to fucking watch the Tide and Nick. Just like if I, the guy I see at the gym every day that tells me he's been a season ticket holder since Kizar, that, the equivalent, if he could sell his tickets for 3 or 4X, regardless who's buying it, he would rather be at the game. But it's about who is selling it. And why did you buy it? Did you buy it because you want you support this team, right? We were watching Sean Payton earlier. And he talked about how their crowd is different. What do he say? We don't have a wine and cheese crowd. And you and I were talking about this after we watched the Steelers last home game. Like the people that allocate a significant chunk of their yearly budget to buying football tickets is a different type of fan than the fan that just has the extra cash and it's cool. So they go when it's not cool, they don't go. And if you have a bunch of hardcore fans buying your season tickets, then you're going to have a better home field advantage. You're going to have more people attend the games when you're not as good. When you have a fan base that maybe is not as big in terms of the hardcore fan, then you're not going to have as many people that just go because their number one priority is not support the team. It's just go to a cool game, which is a totally, that's most people. Most people go because it's like, ah, it's fun. I want to be entertained. doesn't make you a bad fan. But the more people you have whose number one thing is, I need to go support my team, the better your crowd's going to be. See, I think, you don't depend, have I think it depends. You don't think it depends on the city where the mindset, like if you went to a Steeler playoff game, the, everyone in there is like, I'm there to watch the Steelers win. Well, 100%. Right? But I guarantee you they have more quote unquote hardcore fans in their season ticket base. Oh, yeah. Their yeah. hardcore fan base is just bigger. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just yeah. So uh 
you're just going to get like the people at the Chiefs game. You're telling me there's not some guy who could also sell his ticket for Forex at the Chiefs game? Not as many people, but there's somebody just who's not even thinking about, I wonder what I could get for these on stuff. How many season ticket holders for the Kansas City Chiefs this week do you think it's crossed their mind? Less than 10%? I mean, I would imagine you kind of think, but this is what you have them for. It's like you go, this is what did Bill, you know, the Bill Parcells quote? This is why you lift all them weights? This is why you go to them preseason games. Yeah. Is you so you can go to this game? Well, it's, it's why this you become why you a season work ticket out holder. Six days a week and eat veggies, so you can have the double two double doubles on Friday. I agree. This is why you go see your third string quarterback in the preseason, so you can go to this game. But you you just you can't manipulate love, and the difference. Right. I to me, the Chiefs fans. Did you see the viral video of Brittany, the champagne? <laughs> I did. Yes. I, I, I do think, you know, I, I don't think she drives people as crazy as I think people maybe assume. She is there who she represents. It's weird. Like, he doesn't feel like that at all. But, like, ultimately, she's his wife. Patrick Mahomes means so much to those people. He changed their sports fandom. Guy, yeah, he, he turned them into, like, he's like, they're Magic Johnson or they're Joe Montana. Like, once you get that human... If you are a pretty hardcore sports fan, and let's face it, the Chiefs have clearly a strong base. You would take, in sports terms, a bullet for that guy. There, there has never been a human being in that franchise, to me, that even comes close to equaling the love that he brings and the joy for those people as that guy, right? Did you see the thing that went viral of those guys talking? Did, yeah. Did Jeff... Of him and Kelsey? I mean, and then Kelsey tells Tyreek... And then Kelsey gets Patrick. The defender's like not that far away. He should probably be listening. And then he yells, Kelsey, that's that's one Kelsey. of the cooler videos. Do it. That was a defender, awesome. I'd be like, oh shit, do what? What's he gonna do? How cool is NFL film sometimes? I mean, it's I think it's as good as it gets in terms of behind the scenes footage. As good as it gets. Hey 97, shouldn't you be listening to what they're saying? You're right there. He's just they're talking right in front of you there is a whole part to the game that like you just don't have any idea what's going on. And they're talking all the time up until the clock cuts in the quarterback's headset. And then after that, the OC and the run game coordinator and the pass game coordinator and the O line coach. Meanwhile, the defensive line coach and the defensive coordinator and the guy with the green dot, they're talking. There is so much communication. I mean, it's incredible. It really yeah. is. And and yeah. the more, you know, you hear all these stories like uh, Favre drew it up in the dirt or Steve Young just told him to do that. But it's like it happens on every play. I know. It's just when it happens in the biggest moments, you know, God, that was cool. That video was cool. That was cool. Those that guys, video was really cool. Those guys are sweet. I feel like, like good betting when, on them. Uh, when you you want to like, put, put another grand on them? Parlay it? I'm just saying just, a, Money just, line? Du- just double down on the Chiefs. Bet more. I feel very good about them. You see those guys losing? I, I, I don't, don't feel I, great about the Niners. Like, I mean, I, you, I, I've i come around. Like, I, I feel value. more confident betting on the Chiefs. Yeah. Not that I feel bad about the Niners. It's, to me, it's just they could lose. Like, I I can't envision any scenario where the Chiefs lose a game. Do, do the, does it add any pressure to the Niners that they've won six in a row? Or does that only add pressure to the Rams? Like, is there any pressure on the 49ers in this game or is all of the pressure on the Rams because I do think when you are in the game there is just a fundamental amount of pressure on you 
you are just playing in this game. When you run through the tunnel, when you line up for the first play of the game, you're just going to have butterflies and wherever it comes from, self-imposed, external, the crowd, the media. But it's just a big-ass moment. There's going to be pressure on you. We were talking about this before we jumped on. And, you know, we've been they've been saying this before you and I were born. They'll be saying it after we're dead. An underdog, you're a big underdog in this game. And it is relative to the gambling line, right? When right. you hear it during the season, right? Like, the Miami Dolphins are a 17-point underdog against Brady and Belichick. That's, that's real. But wouldn't you say the average NFL game, if it's just like the two, three-point line, it's, we don't talk that much. Like, they're a big underdog. It's just a game, you know? And, and during the regular season, road team, home team, you see it all the time. Right. For example, like the Jags against the Colts that final game when they were what, like a 14 point underdog. We had been talking about that was a huge upset for a reason. But the average, like, you know, the average game, like week seven of just two teams, like Colts versus the Niners. This is like, are the Colts a huge underdog? It's just a fucking game. Right. 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 I do think in the playoffs, and it goes back to what Troy Aikman said, I think it gets to when you're hosting playoff games. I, even the lines being smaller, a two-point line, a three-point line, it's like, you should win at home. I, I, I think it feels dramatically different. And the Niners, these last two weeks, just beat teams on the road as underdogs. And to me, there was like validity behind it. Even though they're clearly, to me, were better than the Packers, but it's fucking hard to go on the road and win. That game the other night was... <laughs> the chances that this game is as good as that game, to me, feel slim to none. Like, that's... That's probably going to be the highlight of Kyle's, you know, unless he wins a Super Bowl for like a couple years. Like, that was fucking pretty cool. But McVay's at home, guy. Having these home games, did you see the thing that went viral? Uh, I saw it on my timeline yesterday, I think, of Aaron Rodgers after he lost the NFC Championship game two years ago. And he's like, uh, we need to get these games at Lambeau. And then they've had the games at Lambeau and they've lost the last two years. There was validity to what he was saying. Like what he was like, we need the the disadvantage here in these games. This isn't the playoffs, or I mean, this isn't week six at Detroit, or you know, week five at who. Even if you're playing good teams, right? Even if you're playing Seattle or New England or whatever. To me, the the pressure is on Sean McVay. Like I, in a listen, I think Kyle has not had the pressure on the last two weeks. Once he won that Week 18 game, like you said, there's pressure once the game's going. Like, you don't want to lose. If they would have lost the Dallas game, somehow, de- you know, it would have felt devastating. But going into that game, the pressure was on the Cowboys, and you felt it from kickoff. The same, same with the Packers a little bit once the game started playing out. And it was a, at first, it was like, God, oh, the Packers are free and loose, 7 nothing. But then when it's 7 nothing at halftime, you're like, holy fuck, these guys. And we said it. They will get tight because the elephant in the room is fucking 12. What's he going to do if we lose? To me, it was more than just losing. It's like Aaron Rodgers, right? That To me, and, and I would imagine all these Packer fans are like, God, what the fuck? And the moment they blocked the punt, it was like Matt LaFleur represented the entire place. They saw a ghost. Like, how would you not? I. It's a little different, especially with the home crowd, but the pressure is on Matt Stafford and Sean. McC- they're favored in this game for a reason. They... I mean, the way they won last week was incredible, but they've now almost, they blew the Niner game. They almost blew that game last week. I think in some ways it helped them to be on the road last week to kind of feel like they're at Tom Brady. If the, I think that released a little pressure for them. If they'd been at home last week and almost blew it, I think it would have maybe felt a little tighter. 
you get to kind of play the underdog when you go on the road and play Tom Brady. Even if we're you know, even if we view you as like you guys can't lose this game, you just went all in on Matthew Stafford. You see what Odell said? He was like, "Yeah, I was getting nervous. I got the goat over there when they were coming back." Did you see the photo somebody posted of Cooper, Cooper Cup and Tom Brady? It said Cooper. Cup, it said the goat and Tom Brady. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. You are so aware of the fact that you're playing Tom Brady. You are so aware of the fact that you're playing Tom Brady. You, I, I, I I know I know you were tweeting this, and a lot of people were saying this. Our buddy Derek Papa, like they don't know how to close games, do they? Or just the guy fumbled? Now you got to no, argue. No. Why are they putting him in the game? I said they don't know how to close games, but it was a follow up to. I don't think anybody knows how to close games. I think closing games is really hard. Well, guy, if you're because, trying to run at the clock and your running back fumbles, what, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, no, it's absolutely part of the problem. But that's part of the problem is their running back fumbles. That's their running back. So you know that's we their could, running back. They, they could have put in a different running back. Like you would would Belichick have benched him after the one fumble? Maybe. Also, you start throwing the ball and it's incomplete. Now we say the same thing about you. But this is what I said when the Niners almost lost at the end of uh, uh, the Dallas game. It's just it's really hard to finish. Finishing games is the hardest part of the game. If you have a German, it's 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 the hardest part. And Sean's like, you know, if you had told me you got the lead with 13 seconds left, I'd go. I could walk away and let my kid coach the team. Our odds are pretty good. He said that. No, no, no. I'm saying that. Oh, Um, that's a pretty good line. I mean, 13 seconds, 13 seconds. So it's just, it's hard. So I was giving them a hard time, but I just think it's real. I just, not because I think they are flawed. I think everybody being up that big in a must win game, you'd, you'd rather be up that big than not, but it is kind of complicated because you're going a hundred miles an hour and now you kind of try to dial it back. And all it takes is one or two plays from the other team. Because you can start doing the math really quick when it's like, oh, we're up 21. Woo! Niners have had games like this. And then you give up a score, and it's two scores, and then you go three and out, and it's only the, you know, like four minutes left in the third quarter. You go, holy shit, if they score right here, now it's a one-score game? And now all the pressure's on us again? So it happens really fast. It happens really, really fast. And I think that is what – I think that's what's weird about the Niners. They, they shouldn't be able to come back on you like that. They shouldn't. Because they don't have the explosive. They're not, they're not built like that. But they do make explosive plays. That's what Debo does and Kittle does. And and I, and I do think if the Niners get up, it just is going to be a real test for the Rams. Even if I the Niners, a, just if the game is kind of 7 nothing halftime, whatever. Last week, or I mean, week 18 was a little bit of like, they had 17-3 looked pretty good on big on paper. But then you go, well, the Niners got the ball and then they score that first drive. So the, right up. It's a one point one possession yes. game. Yeah, and then yeah. they forced a punt and they scored again. Boom! It's tied. So it's that is the key of like the where you get the ball. Because if I would have told you, well, they don't get the ball, the Rams do, and go up twenty four three, the the swing is a lot, right? <laughs> when you get the ball, there was a three and out by the Niners. There would have felt like God, this game's over. But they scored. So all of a sudden, seventeen three looks like seventeen ten. That's just a normal NFL score. I think where, they, where the Rams really fucked up that first time, they're up 17 to nothing. Jimmy throws that pick that just floats in the air, and they don't punch in another score. Even if they just get a field goal there, it would have felt insurmountable. Niners dodge bullets, man. Why? Well, I, I text someone today, and I said, I think the Niners are the only teams that can beat the Chiefs. Not because I think the Niners are better than the Chiefs, where I kind of felt that it was much more of a coin flip game two years ago. 
just because it feels like they're riding the football gods wave. Like that's just just that simple. Now they got players that I think could make plays against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs would be to me a five point favorite. Like that that should be the line. Like the line should not be three. But I could see the Niners beating them just because of like this wave of the football gods they're riding. I, it's I've never seen anything like it, guy. Never. The Packer game and the, you don't the Rams think the, game. Like the nine and seven Giants would probably have felt similar. Why well, I heard Bill Simmons compare this team to that team. And I do think there is some I think both Giants teams felt like they rode a little bit of a wave. And what yeah. did they have? They had just great pass rushers. And when pass rushers can just make some chaos happen. Now I'd say Eli, that version of Eli's better than this version of Jimmy. But Jimmy has a little bit of pulling shit out of his ass like Eli, it feels like, right? I think what was... Yeah. I think Debo, Debo and Kittle are better than probably anything they had. They had Plaxico and Steve yeah. Smith and Manningham. Jo- uh, not Josh Jacobs. Uh, uh, the tiptoe burglar Riddick big, used to call him. Uh, Brandon Jacobs. <laughs> Brandon Jacobs. I, I think what's similar to me about those teams... Ahmad Bradshaw actually was pretty good. Well, they had, with, with a pass rush, a vet... Uh, uh, like. You know, the way Eli could play at times. They made some key plays. Veteran coach. Kind of, they just... Tough uh, as shit, they were. Tough. But I heard that Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks talking about this on their podcast. Like, there are regular season teams, and then there are teams that are built for the playoffs. And the Titans, and I think we knew this the whole time, stylistically, they're kind of a postseason team, but they're not a built-for-the-playoffs team. Not with Tannehill. They don't have enough else to elevate him. And maybe part of that is play calling. Right. And obviously AJ Brown was, it turned out, even though he was a no show for most of that game, all of a sudden he, he almost flipped that game and won it for him. Yeah. I mean, their best player was coming off. He has plates in his foot. I, you know, it's fair. I don't think they're, they're a post. I mean, they have postseason qualities, but I think Tannehill keeps them from being a postseason team and maybe offensive coaching does like the Niners do have some qualities, that make them when you look at their stars, like we were talking about this, when you say, okay, Niners have the football, let's list off the just top tier, all pro level stars on the field in that given moment in time. It's, it's Debo, it's Kittle, it's Trent Williams, it's Aaron Donald, it's Jalen Ramsey. I mean, it's an impressive list of dudes well, that well, belong th- in the you VIP. Say three, th- three of those guys are first bout hall of famers right now, right? Donald Vaughn Miller and Trent Williams. Are going to the Hall of Fame first ballot. Yeah, and then you got—I mean, Jalen, Debo, Kittle—like they're building resumes, <laughs> right? Headed that way. I yeah, it's, it's add up the money. I say all that just to say they when you you could put them up against any playoff team and they look like they belong. They just look like they belong, and the pass sure. rush is fantastic, and Eric Armstead, like all of these things. But I do think, look, as much as there is pressure on the Rams. Let's say you're the Niners and you're up 14 to 7 at the end of the third quarter. There's a ton of pressure on you too. Once the, yeah, once the game happens, there is a ton of pressure on you as well. If you're Jimmy, if you're Kyle, like how do you call that game up a score? Well, knowing they can hit you at any moment. One thing both these two coaches the are gonna, one thing both these two coaches are going to have for the next several years and maybe that one of them gets it done this year is they're going to be called the best coaches without the Super Bowl. And that is something that when I went to work for Andy Reid, like that was just – that just kind of hung over him. 
It, it really did. I mean, I, I remember when you think you it hung when, over him, like personally. I, I just think it just it just follows his team. It just follows him, right? I'm, I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he thinks about it a lot, yeah. but it is just the number one conversation. It's impossible to avoid, and you think about it like in the playoff games or the you know not necessarily the big regular season games because he wins those just like these guys do, but in these playoff games because he's viewed as a really good coach. And, you know, I think by the time I had been around him, he had been to all those championship games. These guys are just in championship game number two. But I think like him, they're just, it's clear how good they are. And, I mean, I think it happens in golf with majors. It, it probably happens less in baseball. It's a little more random. Basketball, a little bit, right, until you win the championship. I mean, it's just, it is it is real. And it's going to be real. And I would say Kyle more than Sean because, fair or not, and I think it is unfair, he does bear the brunt of the fucking narrative of the Super Bowl against the Patriots, right? As an assistant. So I, you know, I, I mean, he's had now two Super Bowls in which people view as the he lost, right? And he had late leads, even though he was only the head coach of one. And like you said, if he loses a game to McVay where he has the loss, even like we said, he's the underdog going in. It would just it would just continue to snowball into this story surrounding him more. So. Like it feels like Sean doesn't battle that as much as Kyle does, right? Yeah, I mean, do you think Kyle? But like, I don't feel like Kyle battles it at this point in time. I'm not saying him individually. I'm just saying like that is the number one conversation that everyone outside of Kyle Shanahan has about the guy, or will kind of moving forward if he has a devastating loss in one of these next two games, right? That he has a lead. Uh, yeah, I, I think if it happens, especially in the Super Bowl, um, if he loses a game this week, I don't think it's that conversation. You know, I'm not saying he loses. Was, I'm saying loses a game where he had the lead late, like your scenario. Yeah, like, but to me, it's not that he loses. That's the story. It's that he blow that he. The story would be he blows leads specifically, le- like blows leads because Andy was going to Andy went to four straight conference championships in Philly. But you know what Andy's narrative was? Why he couldn't win the big games. game? Can't manage the end of halves. Cannot manage games. Yeah. And that was, like I said, I don't think, I never heard Andy. Now, I, it's crazy. I talked to him now that I did sometimes when I was in the office. But I, he, it's not like he was going around like, how do I figure this out? <laughs> right? It's not like Kyle's going around like, how do we, how do I not fuck up a lead? Like it's, but, like, that's what we would talk about. His thing's the leads. Andy's was the time management. Then he gets Patrick Mahomes. Well, now granted, he just had three timeouts at the end of the game with 13 seconds. Andy's like, what the fuck? Where's everyone at now? <laughs> Yeah, he won a championship. But you notice he won a championship. Don't you feel just maybe he's got better players? I mean, he's got timeouts now at the end of the game all the time. Well, I do think that's we can get to keys to this game another day, but that's going to be the key. And part of that is not having to use having players on the field that know how to manage the game. None of these like you know mid second quarter. No, this is the Rodgers. You do it by the hip. You like, yeah. Rodgers loves the ah fuck it. But Rogers lets everyone else stay in their stance for another four seconds as he walks away, like because he doesn't say anything. Oh, linemen <laughs> are like, "We leaving?" Oh yeah, Aaron already started the car. Now some oh. of it, and this is like the chicken or the egg, right? Sometimes you just have dumber players out there. Like you watch the Chiefs, you're like, "I wonder why Andy has more timeouts." Like you know, well, do you notice Kelsey Hill and his, his three best players know every fucking thing that's going on? Well, that's what I just said. That's what I'm saying. It's like you, you young quarterbacks. Smart players, people that know how to line up, but people who know how to line each other up. This is where we go back to that play with Juszczyk and Brandon Ayuk in the uh, last Rams game. 
Remember where Juszczyk moved Ayuk right before the snap because he yeah, was in yeah, the wrong the one, place. The thing that, that was a Haberman find. That was a good one. But it's but that's you need like quote unquote coaches on the field. Who was screaming? Defense. Who was screaming? Kittle was that the last game? The Packer that game? that was Jimmy. Yeah, Kittle go. Who uh, has there ever been a team that started a Super Bowl where they had took a delay a game or had an offside? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Niners had it wasn't a delay game. It was a uh, a legal uh, formation, legal formation, and they nailed the play too. But that well, was, you know what's funny? Did was you it, was it was it Harbaugh or was Kaepernick just sometimes or both you know, of them? Yeah, <laughs> right. Neither one of them noticed it, and that's Jim is not. He, I would say one of Jim's flaws, having watched Jim a long time, sometimes his his teams feel a little Arians-y, right? Not the most buttoned down operation. Did you see the clip? I saw it today. You've seen it before of the the trick play McDaniel and Shanahan ran with Johnny Menzel. Remember when John, did you see it again today on the internet? How different did Mike McDaniel look back then? So different. Didn't wear glasses. Maybe yeah. I, did he have, I bet he just couldn't, he probably is a guy like just who didn't just waited to get glasses forever. Was, little always chub- so smart. was he a little chubbier then? I don't know. It was hard to tell. Kyle was definitely skinnier. Kyle. Yeah. Skinnier, <laughs> but he's still skinny. But you know, what's funny about the play is, for people who didn't see it, it's it's a trick play with Mantel. He comes to the sideline, but he's not. He's still in the field of play, and they run a trick play to him. But they had like an illegal formation. One of their running backs was in the wrong place or was still moving at the snap. It didn't work. What, what were they trying to act like? They were going to bench Manziel for Hoyer, so they were going to scream at him? Was that what they were doing? Yeah, they like brought him to the sideline, but they stopped him. at the, He didn't come off of the field, obviously. He and was still the 11th guy on the field. But the, the 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 part of it that's so great is he had his back to the play, and Kyle is the one that told him like, "Go run!" Like the ball was just stabbed. Now run. How you know the rules way better than I? Doesn't he have to get set on the line of scrimmage? Like how can he just be standing there? I think he can be off the line of scrimmage as long as you have enough guys on the line of scrimmage. The substitution rule is that if you enter, uh, uh, if you come into the game, you have to come inside the numbers if you're going to line out outside the numbers. So as long as he was back behind the line of scrimmage and they had whatever on the strong side, everyone on the line, they'd be good. He could as long as he had wherever. the right number and he wasn't. That's why you can bring a guy in motion around you. He can be moving if everyone's on. Yeah, I guess know, as set. long as you had the left tackle covered. Yeah, right. so you're, yeah, whatever the strong side is, which would have to be on the opposite side of probably where Johnny was, right? Or does it matter? You could be on either side if the left tackle covered. I don't think covered. it necessarily matters. Yeah. So you have to have... Three people in the line of scrimmage, left of the center. Is that it? You've got or to right have one, two, on yeah. One's... Is that just a random kind of rule? Well, it's just, r- just a total rules number. Are there in, in football that Belichick knows them all. Knows what? See, I don't even. I, I can't even. Like I'm. I'm not explaining it. I might not even fully understand what you're but saying. But wouldn't you right? say a huge whatever. part of being a great play designer is you would have to know the rules and the well. loopholes in them, right? <laughs> yeah. Like when, when you know, when Trent Williams did this, you're like, oh shit, because that yeah. means eligible. It's like when your tax, you know, attorney goes, just wrote off that 10 grand. Woo! You know, it's like, yeah, baby. <laughs> I didn't know the rule, but I'm glad you do. Um, but these guys, you know, now that Sean Payton is retiring for the time being, Green Bay's got some things to figure out. Tampa's got some things to figure out. Dallas got some things to figure out. Arizona got some things to figure out. Philly's got some things to figure out. Those are the other playoff teams this year in the NFC. New Orleans has some things to figure out. Minnesota has some things to figure out. Washington and Seattle have things to figure out. Atlanta has things to figure out. So does Chicago. So does Carolina. So do the New York Giants. And so do the Detroit Lions. That's the NFC. Now, you could argue, well, the Niners have something to figure out a quarterback. Eh, True. But... These guys are just 
are, are Kyle and McVeigh just going to meet in the NFC Championship? Like, I don't know. What would you say? How many of the how many next years? Well, I, you know, it, it sure feels like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are going to play each other a lot in the playoffs, and these two guys have a huge leg up in the NFC because when you look at to me, Sean Payton was easily one of the elite coaches in the. I mean, he's accomplished more than either one of these guys. And let's face it, he's had some epic games with both of them. Didn't he play one of them in an NFC Championship game where you know Call went against his way to help the Rams? I remember him playing. Call went against his way against the Niners as well. There probably should have been a an Ahmad Brooks past interference. Remember in New Orleans. And wouldn't you say in Kyle's tenure, probably the most exciting regular season game he's played in beside the Rams was against Sean Payton in New Orleans. You know, two years ago in yeah. 2019. Yep. Well. I would say the other now, two... Kyle has played in some just insane games. The other two big-time coaches are 70 years old. Pete Carroll and Bruce Arians. I mean, that's... Now, those guys are good, and Carroll kicks Kyle's ass, and Bruce Arians, you know, if I, I, they haven't played yet the last couple of years with Brady, would be... It'd be a hard fucking game. Like, it'd be a coin flip. Whatever. I mean, the Tampa could easily win. So as long as those two guys are there, they're big-time. But besides... Like, who... What guy under 70... Just keeping these some of those teams you listed, guys, don't even have coaches. Minnesota, New York, Chicago hasn't hired a coach yet. New Orleans, the Saints. It feels like the Panthers are going to fire that guy. They already hate each other, you know. And again, back to the two old guys. What what's the over under on Pete Carroll and, and Bruce Arians coaching? Two and a half years. It feels like Bruce. Bruce, you see, Bruce said he might take back play calling duties if. Uh... If left, which leaves. If left, which leaves. But yeah, I mean, if even if Tom retires, if Tom retires, they got some work. They got to find a quarterback. They'd be in. Pro- they'd have some problems. And then you would say the Cowboys aren't going away because they have so much talent, but massive coaching advantage. And Sean McVay. Payton could be coaching them in in a year, right? Yeah, you just got to hope he goes to the AFC. But I also think if Sean Sean Payton also could do TV for seventeen million dollars and find out it's a good lifestyle and not come back. Because he's doing TV. Well, we'll get to Well, could, couldn't you see him doing it for like three years and coming back? You know, it, it's not a guarantee one. No, I think it's hard to just do one. Well, once he gets the cash and kind of relaxes and gets... But Jerry could and, always be like, hey, man, look, I'm 79 or whatever, 73 overall Jerry is. The um, one thing, though, is when you're a coach, it's it's an addiction that you don't shake. And he mentioned it. Like, I'll, So to me, if he comes back in the NFC, that's a huge backswing. But I... I text you this today. If I was Jed and I was Stan, and both these guys got big extensions, I would offer them both ten-year contracts at fucking twenty million dollars a year, or, or you know whatever, whatever the would get them to sign the contract. Oh. What, what what is that twenty million a year? Well, what, what, why the fuck do they? I mean, who cares? It's a line item. Yeah, but you, just, you don't pay what I mean. You don't pay what you don't have to pay. But well, yeah, when you when you realize the competition, you know, I got to play Dan Campbell and whoever the fuck the Bears are going to hire and. You know, David Tepper and his idiot Matt Rule belongs at Baylor. I mean, just start. You just canvas the landscape. You have such a competitive advantage, such a competitive advantage. Now, you know, if Carroll and Arians were sixty, it'd be a problem. But they're seventy. They're old. They're really old. But but beyond old, their teams are not. I I think I like Bruce Arians, but Bruce is I. He is not. In terms of running a full operation, I do not believe he is as good as McVay or Shanahan. I would agree, but if if he has a good team and they played either one in the playoffs, they can easily win. That's true. 
That's to me where it's like, if I play Matt Rule, I'm sending the Uber to pick up Matt Rule so I can kick the shit out of him. I don't, I would not feel good. I don't think any Niner fan would, or I don't know if the Rams fans exist. Sean McVay wouldn't feel good if he plays Pete Carroll or he plays Bruce Arians in a playoff game, meaning they have a good team, right? Like Sean McVay, they were... They had the competitive fear of playing that squad going into that game as they and they, and they would have if if you know substitute Tom Brady with a top fifteen if Kirk Cousins was Bruce's quarterback you'd still be alarmed. Yeah, to me, like I just I, I just can't all these other guys I I can't put in the crew. Like I like Nick Sirianni. He doesn't have a quarterback that can throw, and his defensive coordinator. While everyone thinks he's the next great head coach, defense is terrible. So you just. Like, is Nick Sirianni the only guy that you're like, well, this guy could eventually be a pretty good coach? I mean, he, he, he was a, had an impressive year, but like, you just, just canvas the landscape. It's pretty nuts how shitty the NFC is relative to the AFC. Like, imagine yeah, I if mean, you're just like the Ravens. You're like, fuck, this is... Or even like Tomlin. Like, how do we get... How do we just compete again? Yeah. At, at, at the highest level, not What's- just... That's NFC is a pretty good Sean, spot to just get to nine wins for some of these teams. That's where Sean, it's pretty alarming what the situation was in New Orleans. He took a look at the NFC, at his division, right? He said it. Like, you know, looking at the division, I'm thinking like, look at the division. What are you talking about looking at the division? Oh, did he not try to act like it's wide open for our guys? Or was he I, trying to act like it's hard? I thought he was acting like it's hard. Are you saying he was kind of acting like they can bounce back real fast? That's what I thought he meant. Like, look okay. at the division. Maybe put in right. Dennis Allen, who I think would be good, and we'll just hit Maybe the you're right. Running. You might be right about that. And it's not that crazy. You say it about an individual team. You go look at this team's individual situation, but then you just look around. That's where the NFC West is so unique. Even without an elite head coach, Arizona, we'll see how Kyler's next two and three and four years play out. But they've got enough at quarterback to scare you in a given year. But these two guys... They, they are the, I mean, what Harbaugh, because he just doesn't have the staying power and Pete Carroll maybe could have been, the difference is both of these guys have their finger on the most important button, right? Pete and Jim were partly about the operation. Kyle and Sean McVay also are. But if you said you're going to lose all your coaches, you got to start from scratch, just you, I still think they'd be pretty good because they are pretty good. Yeah. Right. Um, ultimately Jim, Pete, but these are the play, these are the offensive. These two guys have the number one skill you want in any coach. The most important skill, if you can get it, which is the ability to elevate a team without a great quarterback. They both went to the Super Bowl with guys that one of them already replaced and the other one is about to replace. Well, Think doesn't it feel like with Goff and Garoppolo? Wouldn't it be one of the biggest stories? I mean, obviously we talk about it, but just in football, if it was ever announced in the foreseeable future that Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan won't are going to give up play calling duties, does that feel like un? That, that feels impossible to happen, doesn't it? In the foreseeable future, I mean, w- 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 it would take a stroke. Like, why would they do that? <laughs> they wouldn't. They don't want to do it. The Pearson Panham doesn't want them to do it. What would they do with their time? It'd be I, like Kyle's like, who- I'm giving up play calling duties and I'm going to run leads. Okay, you know who's been, you know been calling plays the whole time? And it, it wears you out is is the guy that just retired. Sean right? Payton. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, didn't you say that Kyle said after the Packer game he liked the block punt touchdown because it meant he didn't have to call plays? Yeah. I, I think that was more alluding to like, I don't fucking know if we can get in. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's where Andy's like, I do. Wayne, you've been like, um, I'll go special from the five-yard line. Go deep. <laughs> I'll call the play, but whatever you guys want to do once you're out there is cool, too. Yeah, just uh, go deep, guys. <laughs> Another genius call by me, Andy Reid. I, I think it's easier. Sean Payton mentioned this, and I think it's way easier for Andy to like let the guys cook once he trusts them. You know, it's I bet Kyle and Sean talk differently because I was watching Sean thinking, it's going to be interesting one day to see Kyle when he's like 52 years old, right? Or Sean McVay when he's 44 years old. Like, you know, they'll be, they'll talk like back in my day, you know, but they were so young and they still will be young, right? Andy, it's been so easy for him to hand over the reins because of his, the trust level in, in his star player, starting with his quarterback and the two star, you know, skill guys. I would imagine it's it's never even been close any any guy he's ever had. And he's had great players, he's had great teams, but this level of of innate trust, Kyle hasn't quite I think Kyle's finding that in Debo Samuel and in George Kittle. Like he he will at the biggest times and he's done this consistently dial up plays for those guys. His trust level as a play caller is highest in the history of his life with those guys. Just like Sean McVay, I think has found that in Cooper Cup. Like when all else fails, I'm going to 10 if I'm Sean McVay. When all else fails, I'm going to 19 or 85. I'm calling that play. And, I mean, Andy, when all else fails, it's like Patrick just knows to do that now, right? And he can just – if you notice in that clip, Andy wasn't talking to anybody. He was just letting those guys be, right? I mean, Kelsey was talking to him. They were about to go back on the field with 13 seconds left. You just – there's a level of trust you get. Probably happens when you're a parent, right? Once your kid's like 28. It doesn't happen when they're 14, you just it builds up over time, and you just you just know. I, yeah, I think it's the result. You can't. That is what cannot be faked, and you can only gain through experience. And you can't rush and ex, you can't rush the experience. Um, Kyle doesn't have that with Jimmy, obviously, right? No, but Kyle does have the experience of knowing the best way to try and manage him. But you're right. No, he does not have that trust. And McVeigh didn't have that trust with with Golf. And 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 maybe one day he'll have it with Stafford. He clearly trusts him more. But you know. Andy and Patrick Mahomes have been through it together and both come out on the other side and each one has caught the other during a trust fall. Like they, they win win and losses, right? Win and losses. And part of it is once you've won, I think it just takes a little bit of the burden off of you. Once you've won the championship, now you can kind of, you know, really explore the space a little bit more. You're freer. You're freer. isn't, Isn't that what I was saying a little bit about like, they don't talk about it like we all talk about it, but they do feel once Kyle or Sean eventually wins a championship, would they be as tight on the sideline in some of these games, or is it just a little looser? I don't know. I mean, you think about Sean. Peyton. Sean looked pretty tight on sun, on Sunday, didn't he? McVeigh looked very aged. Yes, McVeigh looked, looked tight. He looked like he was wa- watching. This is going to be the worst loss of my life. Yes. Right? He was watching a horrible, horrible movie. Um, you know. That's where Sean Payton won one championship as a head coach, kicked an onside kick in it, and not at the end of the game, right, in the Super Bowl. Like, I do think Kyle kind of calls games already as if he's won it. Like, I think he's pretty, I think when he calls games, he's pretty loose. I think the areas where, he, where it show up that show up as tight, it's just, it has to do with Garoppolo. It doesn't have to do with Kyle. I think growing up in the game and being Mike's son has made him that. I don't know if I totally agree. I, I think sometimes when they let it loose, they have no sh- ch- like they have. That's their only option. You know, if they're down seven with five, you know a minute left, no timeouts, 
like that Rams drive. I think sometimes yeah. do they always that's where I think Andy's changed a lot once he got Patrick. He's just much more fuck it, pedal the metal, go kill shots. And it it I'd say ninety nine percent of the time it's worked for them. Kyle a couple times, like when you're up, you know, seventeen to seven, he I and, and part of this might be Jimmy, but part of it is like he still has something to lose. I don't feel like he's just letting it loose always. I think you do that more when you're winning than when you're losing because you have no shot. You have that's your only option when you're losing. It's can you play? That's where Sean Payton and Andy, I would say, in their Sean Payton for the last decade and Andy for these last three years. He when you watch his team and they're up twenty to three, it doesn't look any different if they're down twenty to three, right? And yeah. Kyle's teams do look a little different sometimes. But I think it's because he has to manage every play. He has to manage it. You know, Steve Kerr, like, what's the best play? Give the ball to Steph. You don't have to manage every moment the way that I think Shanahan does and the way McVay did. Yeah, but I also think, I agree, to use Peyton there. as an example, like, and this is, I think, partly your point, is like I, they will only get better, and they're so young. They will only get better with time, these two guys, because they've already done enough. Now, neither's won a championship, but they've done enough to get themselves so much leeway with their owners, with their fan bases, with their organizations, with their players, right? And I think that's important is to early on kind of create a lot of runway for you. So you're not in winner go winner get fired year by year two. And both those guys have, have now established them themselves that way. And they're going to be part of this game specifically, like the tightness that you'll feel in this game is, is they're going to be doing it against each other. And while they're doing it, kind of knowing like I am facing the best right now. Right. And you know, we'll see. I mean, they'll, Whoever wins this game will be lucky if they end up facing Zach Taylor and not Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. Well, Sean McVay or, or Kyle Shanahan is guaranteed to go to their second Super Bowl. Like, Sean Payton is a massive story today. He went to one Super Bowl. Now, he won it, but he's been trying to get back there for a decade and had some yeah. great teams. Went to one. One of these two guys is going to be representing the NFC for the second time in either three or four years. That's, that's a pretty remarkable accomplishment. Right. In itself. And I think that's where sometimes like I know in golf, it's like you only get credit for your winning. But like if the top fives, I, I was on this com- this text with someone about like Ernie Els and you just look at all his top fives in his career. He won four majors. The guy top fived in U.S. Opens and British Opens, I think like a combined 12 times. You don't get as much credit for that, but it's really a remarkable accomplishment. It's why once you win it and you have all these pelts on the wall, it's why Andy gets so much credit now for all those championship games, right? Because he has the Super Bowl. Well, but if you don't get the Super Bowl, you're just kind of known as the guy that just top fives in a lot of majors or gets a lot of Super Bowls. So this back to the pressure thing. Whoever wins this game and and ups their level of hype, because the hype machine on on both of them is, is really high, but the winning, we'll talk about the second Super Bowl, they're going to have the opportunity to kind of like change the course of their life right at a, at a very one at 42 or one at 36 years old because they'll be talked about completely different for the next five years and both of them will be considered in the quote-unquote coaching draft that never happens as top five locks moving forward right yeah yeah win or lose win or lose the super bowl but that's it, what this year has done for kyle I think it's, you think it's, Sean had, had already Sean's already the there because he, uh, I, you know, I, he, this year helped him. He won a playoff game last so year. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And with golf and, you know, um, I, I jokingly after the game, the, after the Packer game tweeted like lifetime contract for Kyle, 
because I'm not giving anybody a lifetime contract, right? But I had a few people, multiple people actually reply like, let me see him in the Super Bowl first. I'm like, okay. Well, you I looked didn't at me when life. I was crazy when I said 10 for 20. Well, $20 million a year is just so far above what you'd have to pay somebody if you but gave them a 10-year contract right well, now. Well, Sean Payton's getting $17 million. Pete Carroll's like $17 million. Belichick's like 25. Yeah, you're right. I'm just okay, saying, 15, 10 for 15? I'm giving you the security of 10 years. I don't have to pay you $20 million a year right now. That's why what, I looked like 10, 10 for 15? Sure, but again, I, why would I go to ten when I when I can pay you six? I just re up you every three years, every six year contract, right? But you you just said lifetime contract, don't we want to? Yeah, give you I, guys- I'm I'm I'm. Uh, my point is, you just know you've got a guy, so you can give him a lifetime contract. You don't have to. I wasn't really going to give him one, but the idea that like he has to prove something to me in the Super Bowl this year, like I'm pretty confident, even if he were to lose a lead in the fourth quarter. I've seen him win enough of these games at this point. He's won a lot of them too, right? Games that he had the lead, games he didn't have the lead, comebacks with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I've seen the proof. I've seen the proof. But ultimately, they're putting all the work in so they can win the trophy. Kyle's been so close. So close. Sean's been so close. That's where I think so much of the pressure on the two of them is probably also self-imposed. Like, they're clearly both grinders. And they have rivalry now with one another in the division. What's worse, losing a Super Bowl where your defense only allows 13 points, losing a Super Bowl where you have a 10-point lead heading in the fourth quarter? Uh, losing a Super Bowl with a 10-point lead. Yeah. Because the Rams were never – it never felt like they were going to win that game. Right? Like, no. looking back, just I remember sitting on the couch thinking it was a one of boring game. Nope. Like, Somehow, yeah. they, Jared Goff, this is not the guy we watched all year. Now he's had a 10-point lead. Yeah. Now, not both of them lost to, to Belichick and Brady, and the other one lost to Mahomes and Reed. Mm-hmm. Right. I do think it matters who you lose to, for sure. Like that's, uh, You can hold your head high. Yeah. High, or as high as you could hold it. Yeah, like, I mean, Rocco gets to tell his friend, so the day he dies, like, yeah, it, Tiger hit the fucking two plots. What was I going to do, right? It was just legendary. <laughs> yeah. it's like One yeah, of the most legendary it. moments, that's what it took to beat me. Who beat you? Oh, Bill and Brady on their last Super Bowl ever together. They're sixth. Kind of knew what they were doing. Hit Gronk. They hit this pass from this rock guy, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, uh, yeah, you've heard of him. Best tight end ever. Good job, though, Wade Phillips. You're fired. Yeah. And, you know, it, we thought maybe he was crazy at the time, but he turned out he wasn't. John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code HAM for free shipping and... 20% off. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. Uh, the Weed Whacker, love it. Great nose trimmer. The Lawn Mower 4.0. What do you say? Best ball trimmer in the history of ball trimmers? Not even a close second, probably? And we'd have to get Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle in here to tell us, but uh, as far as we go back in time, yes. The 3.0 and 2.0 were good, but I'd say the 4.0, and we've had them all sent to us, uh, is, is tough to beat. The LED light, the USB charging system, how how quiet it is! It's just it's fantastic. Yeah, the the wireless charging system. I mean, that's the part that you know I think takes it to the next level. There's just something feels very professional about. Boop, charge. Boop, pulled it off. Don't have to plug it in. Don't have to find the cord. It's just it is where it is. You charge it. It makes it so easy. Then the worst is when you need it, right? And then you realize you didn't charge it last time. But Manscaped kind of protects you against that. Join over two million men worldwide who have trusted Manscaped. 20% off and free shipping with the code HAM. It is numero uno. I mean, 
adoption worldwide. It doesn't get any better. Uh, I am a big fan of the uh, Weed Whacker, John, which is actually, you don't quite think of it this way, but it's for the for the nose hairs. I get a lot of them. And by keeping them close, you keep yourself from plucking at them, which is uh, bad news. The 4.0 has the ceramic blade with the skin safe technology. So many great options. I'm looking at a bunch when, of them. When we're older, someone would be like, describe 2022 to me. I'd be like, well, everyone had a uh, a laptop, an iPad, an iPhone, and a lawnmower 4.0. That's that's what it is. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. Every single human I know has a lawnmower 4.0, either uh, that they've used our promo code. See a lot of people in the chat saying right now they use theirs recently. Promo code HAM, promo code HAM, baby. Lincho says, get the toner. Yeah, the toner. I mean, there's there are so many great products at Manscaped. The crop mop. The, oh, the crop, the the reviver. I mean, it's all there. Oh. Manscaped.com, promo code ham. Podcast is also brought to you by Truebill. Truebill.com slash ham. Truebill.com slash ham. Don't fall for subscription scams. Get Truebill.com slash ham. Yeah, it's really easy to use. Go to Truebill.com slash ham. Do you know the guy on average? The average person would save up to $720 if they use Truebill because we go to these people, right, or these apps and these streaming services. We just sign up for the free month, and then we forget about it because we've done 7 million of them. And all of a sudden, six months later, you realize you just, you know, I don't do this enough. Check my credit card statement. And sometimes you look, you're like, you're not balancing your checkbook? What? what no, that, that was a Joan Middlecoff move. She had the thing out. She was like, oh, I'll be at the point. dining room table balancing <laughs> my checkbook if you need me. Uh, <laughs> you'd have to pay me to do that. And I don't even think I, I wouldn't even know how. But that's where Truebill comes up. They say the average person, 720. Some people, guy, would be well over $1,000 a year in things you're not using. I, do you know what I found a couple weeks ago? Hulu. Hulu. I, I do not watch Hulu TV, but I had signed up, I think, during the the peak corona, like mid-2020, because someone's like, oh, they got a couple cool shows. Check them out. And I did one of those free months, and then I completely forgot. Mm. I have not touched my Hulu app on my televisions in a year and a half, yet I've been getting charged, you know, whatever, ten ninety nine for who knows how long Truebill would have caught that. I'll tell you the other one Truebill caught. I signed up for, I wanted to watch the George Harrison documentary like a month ago, but it's been out for 10 years. So it's not just like available everywhere. It's on an Amazon service. It was like not Quibi, but something like that, that had a seven day trial. I was like, cool. This is the only thing here I want to watch. You scroll through. There's nothing else I want to see. I'll watch that. Forgot about it. Whoop, whoop. One month popped up, got charged. You know, it was eight bucks, whatever, but it adds up. And, you know, that's that's the, the smart thing. It's like you make it eight bucks and then no one really pays too close attention to it. If it was a hundred dollars, I'd be noticing. Right. Well, eight bucks. I got my eight bucks back. Thank you. Truebill.com. And it's not just this month's eight bucks. It's next month's and the months after that and the months after that. Truebill.com slash ham. Don't was let it, it happen to you. Nope. Was the doc any good? It was very good. There were some times where it's like, all right, I can only hear the sitar music for like eight minutes. But did you sign up for Apple TV to get the Beatles documentary? I signed up for Disney Plus to get the Beatles documentary. Oh, that's where it is. You and that one has free get, trial. That one has to get canceled here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. H have you watched it? I did. Is it good? It is. I really liked it. I'm a big Beatles fan. I could see how it would drag on for people if they're not like really into the Beatles. I grew it's like up 10 hours long, right? Yeah, it's it's quite long. 
I think one of them is like three hours and 50 minutes. It's just them sitting around. So, I mean, you know, if someone doesn't love it, I don't hold it against them, but I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate the greatness. I'm not the biggest Beatles guy, though. I think Let It Be is probably one of my top 10 songs ever. I've seen some clips from it that look pretty unreal of just them like working through songs. Yeah. Uh, what was it? The one song where he just kind of riffs because they yeah. needed it. What was yeah. the song? But, uh, Get Back. And they, they just, he's like humming, moo, moo, and they just fucking figure it out and they just have a song. It was like, that is, that'd be like watching Walsh in Montana on like a Wednesday playing Parcells. That's, I saw some people are like, I don't think people realize how incredible this is. I was like, yeah, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, but that's not most of the show. <laughs> oh. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff like that, but you know, that's probably one of what the about when they do the concert on uh, on the roof. So I'd always heard about the concert on the roof. I didn't quite realize how honestly kind of underwhelming the concert on the roof is. I thought it was like a full on concert. People could see them. It's them recording. It's like very haphazard kind of last minute planned. It goes for like 40 minutes, but they're playing the same songs over and over again. People can't really see them or they don't even necessarily know who's up there from the street. There's like some people on some other rooftops. It's not exactly the grand farewell that I always kind of pictured in my mind. Well, like a rooftop concert, they just appeared and everyone's in the streets. Like, yeah, I saw one. Cl- I, I saw one clip. Like there's like a girl that's like, who's that? I can't do an accent, but yeah. the guy's like, oh, it's the Beatles. You know? like, and everyone's like, oh, cool. But then people complain, sound ordinance, they come and uh, shut them down. Does it show but, them like smoking weed or drinking or anything? Like doing stuff like that? I mean, they, they're smoking a lot of cigarettes and they have like some drinks in there, but it's not like, it's just, the footage is just them in the recording studio. They're not like Yoko, Yoko involved in the, in the doc. Yoko's hanging out, going through, honestly, might be balancing her checkbook, just like going through mail. They ever scream at her or anything? No. So, th- so it was like passive aggressive hate toward her while they were around. I wasn't even while they were around. It there wasn't really any passive aggressive. One person mentioned something, but it was pretty low key. She wasn't. Yeah, it was pretty low key. Um. All right. Where are my notes? Oh, this. Do I have this up here? Somebody tweeted this immediately today, and you and I were talking about this. This is from Robert. He said underrated aspect. This was a couple days ago. Underrated aspect of the Niners win in Green Bay. The draft position got worse. The first round they traded for Lance is now essentially a high second. It's like an extra win from the weekend. And by the way, the second round pick, was it a second they gave up, is now kind of like a third. So um, who'd they give a second? I'm sorry, a third. They gave up a third. Yeah. So that's kind of like a fourth. Uh Pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. There was a point in time where you thought you were sending the Dolphins like the 12th overall pick, which they were trending towards having the 10th or 11th or 12th pick again. Well, really, is there a game that represents two teams that have less high-end draft capital in the in the foreseeable future? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and... Built differently, but arrived kind of at the same place. Yeah, and, and did it for one went for a rookie quarterback, the other went for an established veteran. But when you look... You are guaranteed, if the Niners were to lose this game, they have the worst record of the four teams remaining. Just do the math. 29, 30, 31, 32. Their pick would be 29. If I told you at the beginning of the season, just even if you didn't have Trey Lance or whatever, would you trade pick 29 to be, the next year's 29 to be in the NFC Championship game or AFC Championship game? If you ask all 32 teams, what would they all say? Yes. (laughs) In a fucking heartbeat. So when you make a trade like that, do you know the most devastating part about Chicago Bears season 
is they had to fire their coach. They had to fire their general manager. They traded two first-round picks, right? They trade up. They use the pick on Justin Fields. They have to trade next year's one to get Justin Fields as well. Well, do you know what happens? Is the Giants now have pick seven. And whether the draft, like last year's draft was viewed as elite, right? All the non-quarterbacks was Sewell, Parsons, the receivers. It was just dudes everywhere. This is not. But I don't care how crappy or good a draft is at the time. Losing pick seven sucks. Losing pick 29. John Schneider has been saying it for years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on average, 16 to 18 first round picks. And maybe they're on the low end, but I would say the high end of optimistic teams would probably be 22. I, I've seen Andy Reid. They've traded first round picks a, for a long period of time for players. You know why? Because you, you don't feel great about taking a guy at 29, a tw- at 30, at 31. To me, the Rams and the 49ers both feel 1 million percent vindicated on their moves this offseason for this first round pick. Now, both of them have another first round pick next year, but it's well yeah i mean it, it to me it shows you and listen I, I like talking about the draft as much as the next guy i love texting my buddies in the league about the draft it can be a little the whole point of the fucking sport is to win well here's an example for you if if the chiefs have traded a first rounder for joe mixon two years ago what would people have said they're nuts but when they rather have him than clyde edwards alaire right now Oh, you're just saying if they if they would have t- picked thirty two pick thirty two instead of for Clyde for Joe Mixon, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that's a unique because you know how people talk about running backs; they would have said they were crazy, but they did kind of with Clyde. Like, why are you taking a running back? I mean, I'm just saying they'd be better today yes, if they, they had him over. Clyde. Like Clyde was yeah. just, you know, I mean, he's he's good. He doesn't I mean, exactly. just kind of liked him. He was riding the LSU train. They just like sweet. Let's just take. I liked. That. I thought it was a good pick. And he's <laughs> he play. Did. He plays like he doesn't play. He's not a bust. He, I mean, he's got. He's, he's gotten better. He's gotten better. But you know, what I'm, you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. So no, it's to to support your point. It's a it's a great point. Um, and I think you had to be reassured that watching the Chiefs the other day, if you were Kyle, I think this is not breaking new. We talk about quarterbacks. I don't know. If, did you see the NFL sketch of? Uh, Michael Irvin and Stephen A. Smith from this weekend. No, it's like it's like got Molly Quarum is like, is Tom Brady exceptional or very exceptional? And Stephen A. is like, he's exceptional. And then he does his thing. And then Michael Irvin's like, I cannot disagree more. He's very exceptional. You know. So my point is, Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes have this incredible game, and everyone's rushing to like declare what it means. But we all know what it means. They're, the, they're two of the greatest quarterbacks. They're 25 and 26. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be battling it out for years to come. You want one of those guys, not one of the other types of guys. I said it, everyone else. It, we've all said it. Like, if you have one of those guys, it changes everything. Doesn't guarantee you anything, but it changes everything potentially. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, like, we're not going to get into the Jimmy Garoppolo's future conversation now, but when we talk about Jimmy's future, no, watch the Bills and the Chiefs. If you don't have one of those guys, all you're doing is trying to get one of those guys, and there's not that many of them. So when we say, like, you know, I don't know, Trey's got some of the tools. Could it be Josh Allen? I mean, I guess he's above the line of guys that could be Josh Allen because he's got a certain skill set, and there's a small number of guys that have that skill set. But from having the skill set to being Josh Allen, there's a long way to go. But at least you know you're in the game if you have that type of guy. Like, it's not just that they won. It's that we've seen enough of Trey here to go, we don't know what he's going to be, but we know that the guys we're fighting, 
the Bills, the Chiefs, the guys that have the best shot every year have that type of guy. Now, it doesn't just have to be physicality, right? Tom's not physically like those guys, but he can carry you. But you just need one of those guys. Someone someone mentioned this to me the other day. They said when you look at the pipeline, obviously this year does not possess any Trey Lance skill set guys. You could argue maybe Malik uh, Willis, I think his name is, the dude from Liberty. But I saw yeah. someone do this tweet thread of him like throwing picks. He looks fucking terrible. And he, and he plays for definitely probably the best non-Power 5 offensive coach. And Hugh Freeze is, say what you want about him, you know, with the hookers. The guy can coach offense, right? Beat I didn't, say, I didn't, say anything. I didn't want to say anything about him. With the well, I, mean, he, I mean, he did have some hookers on the road. That was uh, kind of derailed his career. If this but, were the 80s, John... <laughs> He also coached the game from, uh, remember the uh, hospital bed. <laughs> hospital bed. But then, then my guy also mentioned, he's like, well, look at the sweet young guys in college football. You, Bryce Young doesn't physically look like these guys. He's tiny. Right, right. CJ Stroud is not, he's a smooth pocket kind of thrower. He's not a runner moving around type guy. He does not look like Mahomes and Allen. So the Niners took a swing for the fences. We have no clue it's going to work. It's why this, right? The craziest part about this game is to me, the two one of the two teams were going to get Matt Stafford to play in this game. If he wasn't a Ram, he would have been the Niners because the Niners would have done two ones in Jimmy Garoppolo, right? They would have done the same deal happily for Matt Stafford. We've seen Kyle Shanahan. He'd rather have the veteran guy. That option got taken off the table, so they had to do the Trey Lance thing. But both of them, you know, are validated with the move. And, and both of them at times, like the Stafford thing wasn't working out. It's like, God damn, this is, if they're one and done in the playoffs, it's going to be a huge kick and dick. At one point in time, we had talked all season long, like, you know, you band-aided this thing with Jimmy, you're going to miss the playoffs. That's devastating. Well, somehow, and it all gets back to week 18. It's, you see Sean Payton today was like, uh, I'm rooting for the Rams. The reason we weren't in the playoffs, <laughs> you know. because I thought he said he was rooting for the Bengals. Well, he, no, he said, I'm rooting against the Rams because they screwed us out oh. of the playoffs. He's right? like, I don't know where the Bengals get who day from. But. <laughs> so, I, th- to me, the draft can be really, really, you know, Belichick sometimes got nitpicked over the years. Like, guys, I'm fucking winning 13 games a year. I- I'm going every year minimum to lose in the Super Bowl. You think I give a shit about whether I got Chase Winovich right or not? You know, it's like, do you know who we make a big deal of the draft? The Dolphins, the, the Jags, the Lions. Belichick, you think he loses sleep over missing on Sony Michelle? No, he trades that guy three years in and moves on, and he gets whatever. I, I always, what's the guy's? He's got Damian Harris and the other sweet little dude. He doesn't even worry about it. It's like whatever. I missed. Could have had Nick Chubb. Fuck it, I don't. Whatever. See you in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, I I think with quarterbacks though, to go back to the point because I I heard DeAndre uh, something is the guy's name. Swift. Uh, no, that's the Lions guy. Not Hunter Brown. Some of the B. They got a sweet little running back though. Uh oh, r- uh, with an R. Ramonde. Rem- uh, yeah, something like that. Ramondre Williamson Swift. No. Uh, James. If I, if I googled it, I could find it. But yeah, I'd chat rather blow us- Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah. Shout out to the chat, our producers. Um, I think quarterbacks are really interesting because. You can you can kind of build any narrative you want, however you want to do it. Like we're talking about Josh Allen, he's not actually left in the playoffs. Joe Burrow is right. Well, Rogers is getting shit on for losing all these playoff games the last decade, right? 
right now. Yeah, no, totally. But what I mean is you can build any narrative about what type of quarterback you need. Because I heard like to this oh. point, I heard DJ and Bucky talking about like, you know, I think guys are going to people are going to err more on the side. It used to be about accuracy. People are going to err more on the side of talent like Trey with Lance Malik, with, with the Liberty quarterback. Would you say Trey Lance was that right? They yes. But haven't we been doing this forever? Like, here's here's my example. If you wanted to last weekend, you could have said, look at all these quarterbacks, Josh Allen, J.C. in Wyoming. If you look at Pat Mahomes, because I looked, Patrick Mahomes star rating coming out of high school would be 35th in this year's 2022 class. And Josh Allen's star rating would be 126th in this year's recruiting class. Like Joe Burrow, transfer. Jimmy Garoppolo, small school, right? Or you could go Jimmy Garoppolo, second rounder, Josh Allen, first rounder, Patrick Mahomes, first rounder, Tannehill, Tannehill, first rounder, Tannehill, first rounder, Joe Burrow, first rounder. Like, I think you can always look at the physicality. The fact is, I believe there are quarterbacks, great quarterbacks are by definition exceptions. I think it's really hard to find patterns with great quarterbacks. I think it's easy to pretend we found a pattern and to build a pattern. I think it's really hard to find patterns that we all pretend like sometimes I do too. I mean, we all do because the great hunt in sports is finding the next great quarterback, but we've seen it time and time and time and time and time again, there is no science to it. And part of it is fit. Part of it is where you go. I do think one thing, the character for 99% of the great ones have been pretty high. Okay. Character. Well, but, Yes, well, there have I, been some assholes probably too over the years. Yes, <laughs> but I mean, you know, like uh, to say, well, I need to find Mahomes or Josh Allen, like physically, cool. Well, you're going to be waiting like five drafts. Or, well, there, tra- is there is there any doubt in your mind that after last year on Monday night when Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, I'm pretty sure his numbers were like 27 to 30 for like four touchdowns. It was like the greatest game at the time he'd ever played, and it was unreal to watch. Don't you think when they were discussing Trey Lance and Fields, that the Trey Lance, Kyle, and John, the name Josh Allen came up in the meeting? Uh, yeah, probably. When, if you had to bet a thousand dollars, do you think yeah. one of the two of them brought up like the Josh, Josh Allen, Josh Allen? We need Josh somebody Allen. who can do that. Yeah, that specific experience that Kyle witnessed, and then Kyle said, "Remember, leading up to it, was like, God damn, we that kid. He had he he's went out of his way to talk about Josh Allen." More than Mahomes, because I do think Mahomes is, to me, Mahomes is more of an outlier of, he kind of flew under the radar. Josh Allen did not fly under the radar. No. Josh Allen was a guy that was heavily nitpicked, and it was like, well, you're either going to bet on it, and you're probably going to get fired because you bet on it, or you're just going to hit one of the greatest Babe Ruth-level walk-off home runs ever seen. And now Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are like this. Well, you're right. It's that is part he is of one where of the, most the Josh Allen players, I'd say, in the history of the draft since we've been talking. Because his talent was so crazy, but his tape was so terrible. Terrible. <laughs> and I do think that's your right to bring that up. Like that is part of where the Trey Lance Josh Allen conversation comes from. It's not just oh, physically look at Trey. Could he be that? It is North Dakota State and Wyoming, and how do we project this? Because who did he play against? But the second you do that, you're like, well, Drew Brees isn't good enough, and Tom Brady's not, you know, physically they don't match up with this well, Mac, type of player. Mac Jones isn't good enough. Boom, well, he's but, been but, good. But, yeah, but I would. Th- this is why you take Drew Brees in the second round and Trey Lance in the first round, right? You don't take Mac Jones generally in the first round and try to make him into Tom Brady or to Drew Brees. 
Why well, I'm saying I I feel very... my point is they're all exceptions is what I'm saying. Mac could be an exception. Brady's an exception. Breeze is an exception. But Mahomes and Josh Allen are exceptions too. They're all exceptions. Great greatness is exceptional, very exceptional. In the words of uh, fake Michael Irvin on SNL, very exceptional. Yeah, I'm I'm I won't just dis- won't disagree. There is a level. Here's the one thing with the quarterbacks, and I remember <clears throat> an underrated part. Somewhat missed these days, but I don't miss like having a dog in the fight. That if you lose, it's miserable in the office. You end up the, the conversations you have in the NFL, and same when I was at Fresno State, are just the highest level of like fan conversations. You're, you're just debating players and debating assistant coaches and debating stuff with. You know, I just, it happened to be like with guys like Lewis Riddick and Brett Veach, but you're having the, and Howie and having these conversations about, is this guy good enough? Is this guy not? No different than the conversations we have or the fans have over a beer. You just potentially may have the opportunity to like meet that player and then draft that player. But the thing that you never know with the quarterbacks, or you do, like if you're on the team, is a lot of it's out of their control. Like Peyton Manning. And I think if you and I were sitting there with beers, he's like, I benefit a lot. I went to a team that had Bill Polian. We hired Tony Dungy a couple years later, and they had Marvin Harrison already on the team. Right? Like, as a quarterback, who surrounds you really matters. You know, and part of Trey Lance, if he starts next year, which he probably will, is he's going to benefit a lot from the opportunity to be have fucking star players at skill positions around him. Like, that's the one thing with Trevor Lawrence is like, who's he really playing with? Same thing with Zach Wilson. Hell, same thing. Justin Fields' team sucks. Think about Josh Allen in his developmental years. Really good defenses. They traded for one of the best receivers in the NFL. They get knocks. They sign Cole Beasley, who's a really good slot receiver. Yep. They. they I mean, shit. I. I just. They I really care about like, running backs there. <clears throat> it feels like they. I mean, I'm not going to say they hit a home run, but Gabriel Davis got something to him, right? Drafted that guy in the fourth round. Yeah. <clears throat> Who just looked like a big body guy, you know. Feels like they did a pretty good job getting big body guys around him beside Cole Beasley. But, and because when I remember when they signed Cole Beasley, I'm like, Josh Allen's not the most accurate guy. You want a little midget slot receiver? But then he got accurate. And when you watch the Bills, like Cole Beasley's a big part of their offense, right? Yeah, you just need the perfect piece of clay that develops at a rate that most quarterbacks don't. But again, like Trey Lance is going to benefit from being around Kyle and Welker and hopefully McDaniel stays. Josh Allen got to go with a very calming presence in Sean and a clearly a really good offensive coordinator who was people I saw were shitting on Dayball like look back at his he's failed everywhere sometimes he failed and he's learned from it now he's figured it out and now he's good and so he, once Josh Allen maybe they just got together at the perfect time this isn't timing in life like you how'd you meet Alyssa didn't you go to didn't you have a class with her like that's things are out of our control whether you're a quarterback whether you're a fucking salesman whether you're trying to meet your wife like there are parts of life that tom brady you cannot dispute benefited dramatically from getting drafted in the sixth round and ending up around bill belichick and just that team if he had ended up when you're a six round pick you literally can end up on any of the other 31 teams i mean polian had a first round grade on him (laughs) but but like what if he would ended up in the Bengals? what if he would ended up in the jags like it you just, and you know, Aaron Rodgers on the Browns. The age old question is, and you, you this great part of like a, 
you know, hypothetical conversations, bullshit with your buddies is you never truly know. Cause you could argue like, do you believe that Patrick Mahomes could have gone to any 32 teams and would have become a great player? Not as quickly, but would have become a great player or, or more, let's use him, not Josh Allen. Uh, I, I, I think he, he would have become a great player in most situations. Maybe not. He would have become at minimum a really good player. Yes, I do believe that. But I think he gets to be his best with Andy Reid. I would tend to want to agree with you, but I, I think we have a lot of, I mean, most people listening, you and I have never been to these crazy, shitty organizations, but we've yeah. all heard enough players talk about it and be like, God, that was fucking crazy. And it can really destroy it. Now, Alex was nowhere near as talented as Patrick, but that thing for four or five years, I, I, I don't care who you are. It's really hard to overcome that. Like, I, I think it's fair to say Josh Allen, probably with the work he needed, could not have overcome <clears throat> a Lions, a Jags. It would have killed him, right? Where Patrick was just more talented naturally immediately coming into the league but i don't know man it's maybe their character they're mentally tough enough you'd say patrick comes from a pro background maybe you just would have had the wire like, i, I think alex stuff. you don't normally get to see a guy get all the way through it and come out on the other side i think that's what's so remarkable about alex smith's career right is that i i do think alex in a stable situation he wouldn't have been in the end like better than what he ultimately was but he would have been that guy a lot earlier and would have put together, you know, just a career with more stuff in it. And I think it's one of the great football miracles that Alex Smith turned into the Alex Smith we got at the end. Because nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand out of a million guys do not get through all of that. And maybe Alex would tell you if he was here right now, it's part of how he became that guy. But I think Alex could have been that guy. Like he's a solid enough guy. He didn't need to go through all of that to become the quarterback he became. Now, the one thing you would say is who values you when you're on another team, regardless of what happens, speaks to you. Andy Reid wanted to sign him the year Harbaugh came as a backup. We were going to pay him $5 million to be Michael Vick's backup. Andy Reid loved him. Loved him. Obviously ended up getting him. Still to this day loves him. Goes out of his way. When they had the Patrick Mahomes press conference, they talked immediately about Alex Smith. So I think Matt Stafford is a good example of that. Matt Stafford was available this offseason. Two guys were willing to throw the farm at him were Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. So you could argue who likes you. You know, sometimes these polarizing players that are like talented come available. It's like, who really wants you? <laughs> you know, and some of them go to the shitty teams, but some of them, like you see, the Honey Badger is a good example. Every time he became available, like all the sweet teams and yeah. coaches want him, yeah. right? Yeah. And is now he a Steeler he, next? Yeah, I mean, he had a good career from the jump, so maybe that's not the perfect example. No, I think it's a pretty good example. I think sometimes just coaches with, that quarter, with quarterbacks, was, you can he's just a quarterback get of a defense. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, I, I just think you can get in these shitty situations. Like, there isn't somebody I else calls the plays for you, John. I think there's a chance that Trevor Lawrence's career is just a disaster, and it might not be totally his fault. But he'll get, like, it'll be like, oh, Trevor Lawrence was a bust. I do think one thing with him is, like, let's say he ends up in the position Darnold is in. Like, Darnold physically has limitations that Trevor Lawrence is pretty physically unique. People would be right. all over him. <laughs> yeah, and I think he'd go to the right place and just have, like, maybe it would never be great, but it wouldn't, he wouldn't just, like, end up out of football. Well, if Trevor years, Lawrence like, was on the open market right now, what would Howie Roseman do to trade for him? Three ones and a two twos. I mean, he he would he would not. I don't think his stock in his eyes would have dropped at all. 
Not at all. What would the Lions do to get him? I mean, he would refuse. <laughs> well, they look kind of solid. Like, the Lions don't look like a joke. You think Dan Campbell would have been? I text you this. I mean, he was his assistant head coach the last four or five years. The, yeah, the one thing is that Dennis Allen's defense was really good this year, so maybe he still would have been ahead of Dan Campbell. But I think you could argue for the Saints, like, at that point in time, Dan Dan was the interim coach for the Dolphins, right? Is that right? Yeah. So Dennis had his shot. It didn't go well. It was with the Raiders. That would be Dennis's argument was, I was with the Raiders, guys. But it didn't go well. So maybe Dan would be next in line. Dan been, would have been there longer, right, than Dennis Allen? Is that what you said? Probably. About, I think Dennis has been there for a while now, feels yes. like, doesn't it? Like four yeah. or five years. And their defense has been good. I, You know, we spent a little time around Dennis. Not everyone's missing A little time. Either. Dennis Allen spoke to the team. And by the team, I mean the radio station we worked at in the Raiders meeting room. And Middlecoff's phone rang. I'm sitting next to him. Front and center, Dennis Allen on the stage. And then didn't you like try to silence it and you could hear your mom? Like, John? John? I, I tried to silence it. I accidentally hit accept and my mom started talking. And it was, it was as perfect. a football guy, I was embarrassed for the it situation. Was so it, was, it, was a, it was a low. I, I look like a radio guy. Like, That's I, right. I'm a football guy. And it's like my mom. And it's just, you get thrown out of meeting for that. I just do. Now, you can improve and stuff. I'm not. I would imagine Dennis Allen is more schematically, you know, higher than Dan Campbell. I do wonder if Dan Campbell might be a little more suited to be a head coach than Dennis. Yeah, like there's, I think there's nothing right wrong with that. being a number two making two million dollars a year. Now I get why he'd want the job, but Mickey Loomis, you fucking had a front row seat for Sean Payton for 15 years. Like, I don't I also think you're think, just giving the job away, right? No, but think about think about it this way: you've been tight with Sean Payton. For the last 16 years, Sean Payton says, Hey, I think, trust me, I think this guy's got it. What do you do? Nah, okay, but I'm going to go on a search, Sean. And Sean's like, I'm telling you, Dennis Allen's the guy. This is one of your best friends, a guy who has made you wealthy, a guy who has brought you a championship, a guy who's run this. You know what I mean? Like, that's a tough spot to be in if you're Mickey Loomis. Well, and I love the guy. And it's not, maybe he'll be better a second shot. <clears throat> Andy Reid said that Matt Nagy. Of all of his, at the time when he got the Bears job four years ago, in his, at the time, Andy had coached like 19 years. He said in his 19 years, he'd never had an assistant coach who was more ready to become a head coach. And check the, check the resume of the head coaches. That have, so it's just. Didn't, I it, mean, could I, could I argue if I'm Matt Nagy, never had a quarterback. Now, it's his job to find it and develop it, but. And his GM sucked, yeah. But I'm just saying that it goes back to my scouting days when you got to be very careful about talking to the head coach about they get so close to certain players and certain coaches it can cloud their judgment like i, I do think mickey in a weird way can have more of a twenty thousand foot view of the situation where it's like sean can say that but it's like sean you're retiring you're you're leaving me now right, right. so it's right. just i don't think dennis allen's a lock to get the job no, oh, I agree, but I do think he is a real candidate. I think he's a real candidate, and I think, I think in a perfect world, I think Mickey Loomis would want an offensive coach, and you just, hey, we'll just keep paying you $2 million to be the defensive coordinator. That's just a guess. I don't know these guys at all. Yeah, which would be a good situation for them because somebody else would not be hiring Dennis Allen. You're the only ones that would hire Dennis Allen. I was a little caught off guard by I the think Sean Dennis Payton. did. 
I swear interview. I saw him get an interview, but it felt more like a courtesy. Like Denver or something? Yeah. I was caught off guard by the Sean Payton news. Probably shouldn't have been because I went back just doing some research, some research, some Googling. And Sean Payton, she- Sean Payton Googles a lot, too. Sean know, so. Payton just Googles how not to cry in a press conference. You yawn? How is that a good alternative? <laughs> oh! And well, drink, wa- drink water. And drink water. Um, but I, I, his press conference was fantastic. I do want to talk for a minute about what comes next for Sean Payton. But Rap Sheet wrote a piece Sunday morning I went back and read that said Sean's on vacation. He's not returning calls. He is not committed to being the Saints coach for next year. Uh, he actually wrote in the piece, it's not uncommon for people to turn off their phone on vacation. Like Sean couldn't possibly be ignoring the call. His phone just must be off, which, yeah, I think it is pretty abnormal to turn off your phone for a week. But well, anyway. when you're the CEO of a company, that's pretty abnormal, right? <laughs> um, but I thought it was very clear listening to him talk, John. I would expect him to coach again. I expect him to work in TV this year. I think Rap Sheet wrote he's walking away from like $45 million by not coaching the Saints. Uh, he wrote he's been approached by a TV network. Now, Peyton said, I don't know. Maybe, yes, maybe that's three years left on his contract. If it's at 45 15, million. God damn, it's a lot of money. Maybe it's four years. I don't know. But um, Rap Sheet said that he'd been approached on Peyton by a TV network before the season was over. Peyton said, I don't know anything about that. But in this press conference added, but I think I'd be pretty good at it. So it feels like we're getting Sean Payton on TV this year. And after watching that press conference, I think that'd be a fantastic thing. He is really good on the mic. Monday Night Football written all over him? Monday Night Football, if Aikman go, you know, there was the report the other day that if Amazon's going to try and take Aikman, I think it, they'd be crazy. I mean, Fox, him and Buck, maybe he goes to Amazon. Maybe he goes to Monday Night Football. Maybe he goes to a Manning cast. I don't know what his his desires are, but I think he'd be fantastic on games. Before I unfollowed uh, like Marshant, the, the media people that write about media, I'm like, I, I I can't. It is such a waste of my energy to even pretend I give a shit about the media stuff, even though sometimes I do like it. But I just I hated following, so I unfollowed him. He they did a podcast maybe two weeks ago or a week ago. They're like, is this this crew's last game on Monday Night Football? Like I think the industry thinks like. That crew ain't coming back on Monday Night Football. You know? wonder who... I saw Jason Barrett, you know, the, the emails we get on the mass emails. The guy that used to run Monday Night Football forever, I think, like, with Gruden and even Madden, said that it was the, the most embarrassing broadcast he's ever seen. <laughs> like, it's an embarrassing product to put on Monday Night Football. I wonder, I would. did he talk about what specifically he found embarrassing I, about it? I just saw the headline. I was like, oh. I don't even want to click. I would love to I, have I did a click, and then I like had to get two cards, and I was like, I don't know, even. That's interesting. Well, I mean, everyone's they, trying they, to find they, a they don't have star. They don't have star power, right? Yeah, but that in and of itself doesn't make it the worst broadcast ever. But yeah, Sean would bring immediate star power. But I think it's hard to do one year of TV and then just go back to coaching, unless you don't really like the TV. Like you said earlier in the podcast, these guys are addicted to the competition. But I think one-year TV is probably fun enough that you maybe you do it for two or three years. Um, but it does feel like the Cowboys – I mean, your first guess was the Cowboys when we were texting about it. And that's – I saw everyone and their mom had some version of a gif about what Mike McCarthy should be thinking right now. I just think there's a lot of coaches on notice around the league right now, right? If you got hired in the last two years, if you're getting hired this year, you're on notice. Because every coach that's getting hired this year, their team would rather hire Sean Payton than them. 
And so if Sean's suddenly available next year, it's like, whoops. I, I, I could see this going two years. Once you get to like the five-year mark, you're probably never coming back. But like, I could see the two years. Like you said, if he's giving up a ton of money, he has made so make much cash. He has made, but he's so rich. He is so rich. It's not even, it's just to keep the money flowing. The offers, though, from the NFL, like, we want you to run the organization, and here is $100 million, right? Here's six years, $100 million. Or just, like, that's his going rate. His going rate is super high. I think if you're Sean Payton, you are not, you are coming back for an opportunity with a specific quarterback, first and foremost. And then they have to pay you what you're talking about. Yeah, watching him today, like he, I think Drew Brees leaving him, he was never the same. He didn't, he didn't enjoy it. You don't think he enjoyed Ian Book and uh, Taysom Hill? I I do wonder if these next couple years, like if he does Thursday night football on, and he gets to meet a couple guys, and then that job becomes available, and he sparked up a relationship. That to me is like, wow, I didn't know this guy that well. That to me is an insight, and maybe he gets to meet some coaches, and he just. I think it could translate it. Because even Gruden, who was gone a long time, it never felt it. And you could tell Sean, like, he went out of his way. Like, I'm not saying I'm done coaching. Like, this is, why would he? This is what I do. This is what I'm, 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 a, I'm, as, I'm, it doesn't get much better than me. I think the Chargers is such a perfect job for him, given that it's kind they, of they, like. They don't pay, though. No, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. But it's a perfect job in every other way. It's an organization that could use him. It's a market where, kind of like New Orleans, you know, the Cowboys is you're on a pedestal when you're the Cowboys coach, which clearly he's good at being on a pedestal. But, you know, he's kind of like been a, a a basketball coach at a football school. We we don't see Sean Payton talk that much. No, I don't. Herbert. But you're right. That just Dean Spanos. It's well, not he, his MO. If, if he had a vision, he'd be smart. Like give him whatever he wants to come run your organization next year and fire, you know, Mr. Fraud. But he, he, I just don't think he will. Now, the other thing is, and I, I tweeted this out, David Stern wouldn't let Stan Van, hated Stan Van Gundy, wouldn't let him announce games. Now, I, I don't know this, but obviously at one point in time, they were mortal enemies. Roger Goodell and Sean Payton, spending them for a year. Like the hatred, <clears throat> I don't know if it's like Al Davis and uh, what was the guy's name? Not Tagliabue, but the guy before him the, and the commissioner that hated each other. Yeah. But it... I don't care how much if the NFL and maybe their relationship has improved. If Roger doesn't want him calling games, he will not be calling games. It's just that simple. I don't think it would get to that. Roger Goodell, first of all, works for the owners. I think Roger's changed a lot in the last few years. Rizel, yeah, P. Rizel, P. Rizel. I think Roger's changed. I don't think Roger Goodell would keep. But but Sean and who knows? Maybe, maybe their relationship. They've mended fences. It it was. TV. I think those first couple of years, it, I mean, part of the movie was like, I think he was sh- suspended for a year. Yeah. Looking I think back, he'd that's be pretty nuts. His, he'd be doing his sport a disservice, right? If he prevented Sean Payton from being, you know, Monday Night Football. Or no, like I, 100%. That. I don't. But just, it's obviously different. Again, Stan is run out of every place he goes. is legal robbery, complete fraud. Sean is the complete opposite. But we've seen it before. And Roger, we just saw it with Gruden. Like this, he's just maybe a sneaky, petty guy. I just, I think Roger's changed at least, like understanding publicly how to. He is so much more comfortable than he used to be publicly. Do, do you? I don't. You probably haven't spent much time thinking about it, but do you think he went out of his way to ruin Gruden, or do you think he has nothing to do with it? 
Do I think Roger went out of his way to ruin Gruden? Do you think Gruden? Roger was involved with the leaking of the emails to fuck Gruden? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. Like, I I don't think I don't think it was so much about running Gruden out as maybe it was diverting attention from other things that might be might be in those emails. I don't know. Wasn't some of weren't some of those emails him talking shit about Goodell? Obviously, the gay stuff. Roger Goodell is a gay brother. I it I can see him hate. I've heard he hates Gruden, and they hate each other. It just seems I don't. But when you get to a level of money and power, I don't put anything beyond. But. Uh, it seems to me you're injuring. Again, Roger is not like in charge of the owners. The owners are in charge of him, right? But he pulls a lot of strings. No, there's no question. It seems to me like a you are hurting your own organization for a personal vendetta. Do you think the owners discuss who's on television and who's not? <clears throat> mm, I think the league discusses it with the part with their media partners, but I don't. The partners. Yeah, the partners, but I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think, uh, uh, what's, (laughs) I wanted to name, what's the owner of the, I like his name, uh, the owner of the Vikings? Oh, Ziggy Wolf. Ziggy Wolf. I don't think Ziggy Wolf is like, what are we doing the meeting about who's on Monday Night Football? You know, but I think they got people that are in charge. Who's up for the fourth crew in Fox? (laughs) Spiro Dinas is on the Dolphins this week. Can I get that media map? Hey guys, uh, you know I've I've watched a couple Vilma games uh, when we've had buys. Uh, we should bump him up the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys see Talib this weekend? That was a ten thousand dollar coat. They do. I mean, they're just. It'd they be notice when somebody know. criticizes them for sure. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. seen it. Yeah, I'm sure they've got takes, but I don't think they make their own. Like, all right, everybody, send in your ranks, your play by play guy ranks. Let's see. You tell Michael Irvin if he says one more thing about David Tepper. I feel like a lot of presidents <clears throat> hear it from their owner and then they go attack. Yeah. I think that's I, I think that's an under have to do part. it preemptively for when the owner calls. Like I already on it, boss. I think that's a, a underrated part about being a team president is doing the probably the stupidest things. Like guys, I mean, who gives a shit that Michael Irvin's tweet went viral about talking shit about you? <laughs> David Tepper's like, you don't know what it's like. Spent two point two billion on this team. And I got NFL Network, which I'm a partner in now, talking shit about me. They're like, yeah, you're the new guy. Sorry, man. Yeah, it's part of the deal. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan, from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between it's really simple to play you make your picks submit an entry in less than 60 seconds i'll do it at halftime of a basketball game and i also have some season long more or less picks on mlb homers you may remember i've got less on otani homers this year we'll see and at halftime of your next nba blowout game just jump on and go ah steph curry more than 11 points in the second half it'll change the game for you download the prize picks app and use the code ham 50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Price picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off 
right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, Tom Brady, it pains Giselle to see me get hit out there, and she deserves what she needs from me as a husband, and my kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. He also added on Let's Go, we never know what's going to happen in the future. We really don't. Kobe Bryant, a friend of ours, God rest his soul, we think we're going to live forever. We're not. We think we're going to play forever. We're not. What can we do? We can enjoy the moments we have. Now, he said he's going to take some time here, not made any decisions. Uh, it feels like goodbye to hear these quotes. But I also, I will say this. I think we should be careful, right? The way a person feels right after, a player feels right after a season. There was a story before the game, though. <clears throat> there there was. On, sun, on Sunday morning. So I, if Tom, like you said, Tom had just said that. I saw his Jim Gray interview. The NFL uh, radio tweeted out. I wouldn't make that much of it, but to me, that story was, I just wonder, remember the story about him, like, he's going to leave New England, there were rumblings, right? So you started thinking about it, feels like he's gone, man, feels like he's done. It definitely and, feels that way. I mean, I, how could it feel any other way at this point? Now, is he really going to do it? Well, yeah, that's where maybe these next two weeks, he's like, I'll see you guys in training camp, but I, 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 he, I expect his uh, retirement to get announced in the next two months. I don't think... Um, uh, I don't get the feeling that Tom needs to leave on a make, right? Like win a championship on the way out. But I did always feel like playing until he's 45 mattered to him. 
and he's not 45 yet just to prove it. But like I said on the last show, like what does he have to prove to anybody? Nothing. I can absolutely see the way he feels today versus the way – like when he was 39 going up, writing it down in his diary I am or his vision board, I am playing till I'm 45. And then 44-year-old Tom Brady looks at it and goes, you know, no, this is good enough. This is good enough. Being Tom Brady pretty commendable is, the other day. Like I, you know, I know he didn't win, but I think he went out kind of on a high note. I think it would be a hell of a way to go out. I really do. Do you think he TB12 just tweets like I'm going to retire? Do you think it's harder to retire if he just won the championship or just lost the championship? <clears throat> if you just won it. Because if you just won it, I agree. You think, well, can I win another one? Right? Is that or what would be your logic? Well, I think it's harder to retire <clears throat> like like Rodgers. Like you saw football left, you still have something to prove. Tom has nothing to prove. You could argue Tom didn't really have anything to prove when he went to Tampa, but he proved it. He proved it. And ultimately, I think he can go to if there's a competition of like, I was the most important guy in New England, <clears throat> kind of won the war. It's going to be hard for Bill to ever win another championship with Mac Jones. Yeah, winning the one title, even if Bill wins another one, but winning the like, one listen, right we were, away. We without were both him. important, but let's be honest, it was probably 52-48 me. It wasn't 80-20, but it's it leans me. Yeah, although I was watching them this year, this week, thinking, eh, he misses Bill. Arians does not run the operation that Bill runs. Could be so, 51-49. Yeah. yeah, no, it could be. My thought was, would he come back with another team like you know the 49ers? Would Tom go? Because here's the one thing I would say about that theory, as I was thinking about it, was that's who Tom wa- – I believe that's who Tom wanted to play with when he left New England. Wickersham basically wrote it. Tom to Welker, I want to come there. I'm not going to make a thing about it. His parents. His parents, the whole thing. This is He was at Candlestick for Joe Montana's last game. He was at Candlestick for Dwight Clark's catch. I do think the 49ers mean something to, Joe, to uh, Tom Brady. And when Tom Brady left New England, it's like when you leave your house hoping to find a slice of pizza. That's what you want is a slice of pizza. And the pizza place is closed, so you go next door. And it turned out you get like a five-star steak meal. And it's a great meal. It's the filet. It was delicious. It was better than you could have imagined. But you still didn't satiate your craving for pizza. And the 49ers is what he wanted. Now, we got the championship in Tampa. But he wanted to play for the 49ers. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I'm not saying that. But I do wonder if that's any part of his thinking. I could go one more year. Once I've gone to Tampa, I can go. I'm in a Bucks uniform for crying out loud. Look at this logo on the side of my head. You're telling me I couldn't go play for another team and try and do it again there? It just doesn't feel right now like he has that desire. To well, you'd, do have, that to ask, just you'd have to ask for a trade, and then would right. we did this two years ago, and we said, "Don't do it, don't do it." If he says, "I want to get traded there," Don Yee, what, what do you do? I think if you're Tampa, you do it. Unlike New England, but what, what could you? I'm not trading my second round pick for one year, Tom Brady, am I? Or do you, you? trading Jimmy? And you know, like to me, it's as simple as he's not a free agent, but. I do think Tampa's in a different position than like New England would be. Yeah. Tampa, Tom, whatever, you know, when you came here, we understood we would do whatever you want. So we'll help you, whatever you want to do. It actually, you know, would, would you be do a it? Great would spot you do it? Jimmy. Just another sit for Trey Lance, another year to do Yes. Develop. If I were the Niners, 
I would sit would, Trey Lance for another year behind Tom Brady. Yes. Would you give up Jimmy and your? Uh, you don't have a first, so your second round pick for Tom Brady? Yeah, I would. He led the league in passing this year. Yeah, I would, I would too. Yeah, that'd be fucking badass. I think Haberman hey, Milkoff would sign up for that as well. So yes. <laughs> but do you feel like that's? So you think there's a chance that that's what he wants to do on his way out? Like he kind of goes full. I, this sounds bad, but I mean, kind of football mercenary. I mean, a little Brett, a little Brett Farvian, right? Yeah, Brett did I mean, the same shit. Brett ultimately didn't want to play for the Jets, but had to play for the Jets so he could then leave the Jets and play for the Vikings and return the favor to the Packers, right? So ultimately, Tom probably didn't really want to play for Tampa, but he was forced into it. But he knew it was a good situation. It's not even that he didn't want to play there. I think he wanted to play for the 49ers. I know he wanted. We know he wanted to play for the 49ers. So just Jimmy, a second-round pick, and just Trey take some more notes? Yeah. But think about this. I mean, if you're going to make quarterback room, Jimmy and Trey or Tom and Trey, (laughs) like if you're going to sit for a year, sit behind Tom Brady. Now, do I, am I saying that's what I think he wants? I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with a theory here. I, a part of it, I don't want him to go. Um, Watching him is remarkable, but we've never heard him talk like this. How much do you think Niners Rams tickets would be if it's Tom Brady versus Stafford next year? (laughs) Well, what if it's like, how about if it's, you know, Niners make the Super Bowl and then it's, Thursday night football to open the season, Mahomes, Niners, Brady's debut. Because if you, you go the, to the Super Bowl. Do you think the 49ers unequivocally 100% would want Tom Brady at this point? Yes. I do too. Imagine that, John. You make the Super Bowl, you trade for Brady, so Brady's debut is Thursday night against the team you just played in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl rematch. <laughs> Mahomes, and, Mahomes and Andy beat the Niners by 30, and yet the Niners get to host the game somehow. That'd be sweet. Um, or do you just go like Niners Rams? Oh no, I see what you're saying. Because I'm saying winner, whoever plays, yeah, yeah. They're like, actually, we're going to manipulate the rules, Chiefs. We'll give you Sunday night. We're going to put Tom Thursday night. One other thing I want to mention because we've had a few people ask about this, so let's make it official. Thanks to everybody that got involved. This was for those of you who are maybe new to the podcast in 2022. Through the end, middle of November through the end of December. We had a fundraising campaign with an awesome charity called No Kid Hungry. And together, with your help, with Tito's Handmade Vodka, with Puesto, um, and uh, with Enzo Olive Oil. Enzo, who also uh, uh, donated Enzo Olive Oil, which is great olive oil, and other products, raised $23,190. We just got the official tabulation uh, to, uh, Monday. From No Kid Hungry. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Kudos to everybody. All right. And thanks for hanging, everybody. Adios, Pelota. In honor of uh, Big Poppy. (laughs) Not not Barry. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.